Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to another episode of the Married Men Don't Talk Show. Tonight's topic is bondage, and we have a few rules, and they are no profanity, no politics, and no racial stuff. And this ain't Bible study, fellas, so let's not get all off into the Bible. My name is Darren Smith, and I'll be your host for the evening along with my co-host, Rodney Turner and Tony Hawkins. If you have something to say, please feel free to do so. If you just prefer to listen, hey, put your phones on mute. We ask that you put your phones on mute if you're not speaking because we can hear all background noises. Okay, the now, the, tonight's topic is bondage, and then this, this co- topic came the other week. We had a show that we were doing, and it was a fellow that was that came on the show, and he was obviously intoxicated with alcohol, and uh, and he was perhaps losing his family at the time. So um, this so this show came right on time, along with what happened, what we experienced here on the Married Men Don't Talk show. So. I would like to first go over the definition of bondage, and that is uh, the definition is something that you're bound to, something that has enslaved you, or you're, it, which is a state of being enslaved. Uh, have anyone experienced that type of bondage? Anybody aside, aside my guess, has anybody experienced bondage before in your marriage or uh, on your job? Or you know, in your with your kids, because my my state of bondage, um, I was bound and I was trying to get the guy on the phone, but my bondage was my ex-wife. She was in love with this guy that was in prison, and it just and it was a family member, and it was so embarrassing to me to lose my wife to a family member and he was incarcerated and and for the longest I thought the problem was mine but it wasn't me it was her but I let this problem make me think that I was not a good person or a good husband and you know what husband can be so cruddy to lose his wife to a family member that's incarcerated that was very embarrassing for me so uh, so that was my bondage for the longest time. And the other day I found myself apologizing to that fellow. He's now out of prison. They are not together. Um, but I, I reached out to him to apologize to him, but I didn't get a response. So I had to release that those chains from off and around my neck um, to allow myself to be free to know that, hey, it was never me. I am a good person. Uh, I try to be a good husband to my wife, so um, so I shouldn't let this guy or my ex relationship um, make me think otherwise. So, if anybody else experienced that kind of bondage or something further, well, um, I was in bondage to lust most of my life. Okay, you can speak on it. Um, when I was eight years old, my grandfather uh, decided he wanted to make a man out of me, and the way he would do that, we'd sit down and watch his special movies. And my Corner. whole life, I fought lust um, that the seeds were implanted when I was young. 
So your grandfather would allow you to watch porno, pornographic material when you was eight? He wouldn't allow me to. We'd sit down and do it together. He said, I'm going to make a man out of you. He said, you ain't going to be no punk. Well, how did that, how did that, um, how did that keep you in bondage from when you saw that? And is that when you became a woman? Did you become a well, womanizer? Well, I thought that was just—I thought that was just normal, you know. As you know, I mean, I didn't think anything was wrong with that. You know, that was just normal. You know how guys are. You know, and um, you know that led into you know devaluing women, chasing women, chasing you know chasing those kind of things and. You know, going through all kind of challenges with that. Those were just the seeds of it. But when it germinates, it germinates into adultery and 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 devaluing of women. Right. So how did you break yourself from that bondage? I didn't break myself from the bondage. Christ broke me from the bondage. I realized that I I was powerless because I was being held captive. And when I found out that. All of my efforts were temporary, and I would cycle back, um, just like any other addiction. I was powerless to break it. No matter how much I wanted to fight, um, I would continue to go back. Uh, as the Bible says, as a dog goes back to his own vomit. Um, finally, I had to give it up to the Lord and say, "You got to take this from me because I don't want to do this. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to ruin a, a, another marriage. I don't want to go down this." you know, and, and and always have those things that I've got to fight all the time. And it wasn't until I did that and submitted to Christ, and I know you said don't make this a Bible study, but I'm just telling you, yeah. you know, what happened with me, um, that I was able to finally break free of the bondage. Um, because, I mean, Satan's goal was to enslave me and to keep me in that bondage, and, and Christ came to set the captives free. Amen, bro. Well, what kind of things that that bondage allowed you to lose? You said your first marriage was my first two uh, marriages. My first two marriages. Oh, okay, okay. Oh yeah, my first two marriages, um, and the guilt and the shame and all that kind of thing. And you know, um, it wasn't until I got saved that I even realized that there was a problem with it. I literally thought it was just normal. And like I said, it wasn't until I got saved that I even felt any guilt about it. I just thought, you know, this is what it was. And, and you know, like I said, I didn't understand what marriage was. I didn't understand what love was, any of that stuff. And, you know, to me, love was sex. And if, you know, if I could get it, I was getting love. Okay. Wow. Anybody else have any... um? Any bondage experiences? I thought I think I got my man Reginald on the phone. Reggie, you there? Reginald, Reginald, are you there? Well, okay, well let me you. ask a question. Let hey, me buddy. ask a question to the to the brother that that was just talking. Um, now, now we all deal with, you know, a lot of people deal with, you know, looking at women, you know, and when you talk about struggles with the, I guess you said with the flesh, is that what he said? With lust. 
With lust, with lust, yeah, 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 yeah. Now, would that be the same thing when guys look at women on the regular? Would that be the same thing you think is just bondage, like if a pretty woman walks by and you can't help yourself with to look at it, look at her, you know what I mean? Or you always pay attention to women. I mean, you think that's the same thing? I don't think so. I think that when you take it to the next level and, and, and you think about, you know, what you want to do and you start addressing her, then your mind starts to go, and then, then you want to see her naked. Then, you, you know, you're sitting up there, you know, when you start to go down that path, I mean, you know, we're going to notice beautiful women. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, me in, 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 in the strip bar, you know, or me getting lap dances, or me, you know, you know, sitting up, you know, viewing pornography is a different ball game than a beautiful woman walking by me thinking, wow, that's a pretty girl. And I think the seeds of it start with with where you go with that. I mean, we all see beautiful women every day. But if we start thinking, you know what, I know what I'd like to do with that, you know, and, I, and, and you start to go down that path, your mind starts to, to open up, and then you start, well, I can't say you. I would start looking at women as objects, objects of my I pleasure. And I think that's where I got you. Yeah, okay. <laughs> But what I'm saying is, I got that. But you know, we all know guys that they get. I mean, they can't help but to look at gawk at women all the time. And I, you know, I don't think that they just looking like, oh, she looks nice. Let me keep it moving. You know what I mean? You know, somebody said we're only as good as our options. So if he was looking at some girl, she looked back and say, hey, you want to get a little bit? You know, would you do it? You see what I'm saying? So I, I think that that could be some kind of bondage too. It might be a subtle bondage. That can turn into something, you know, significant. I'm glad you said that because I used to flirt all the time, and I thought I was in control of it until that day that you just talked about happened to me. And she said, and she went, she gave it back to me and called me on it. Mm-hmm. Okay, and you know, so what did I do? I took the next step, and you know what she did? She took the next step. And then I found myself at a, at a decision point, and unfortunately, I made the wrong decision. And I followed through with it. And I went from, you know, quote-unquote, innocent flirting or just being nice. Now, me being nice was really me flirting, but I was just saying I was just being nice. I'm holding conversation. But I would I would say things, you know, in ways that, you know, you could say that was innocent, but in my heart, it really wasn't. Sure. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying or not. I do. Right. Trust me. I, I do. And and she called me on it. And one thing next next you know, led to the next and I'm at the hotel. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know, a year later, I'm in the midst of, of, of a double life that don't and I don't know how to get out of it. Wow. You know, and I'm not saying that happened by accident. That happened by choices that I made that were were terrible choices. That, but it started with the quote unquote innocent. You know, being nice really was flirting. So it, it, in other it, words, it, it seeing like how it, far I could go until I got called right. on. Okay, so basically, your flirtatious ways spiraled out of control, and then all of a sudden you was in the pits. 
Correct. You so far in that you couldn't turn back. And I didn't know how to get out of it. Right. Okay. Okay, because, I mean, you know, anybody that tells you that sin is not fun is lying. Sin is fun for a season. Okay? <laughs> right. It's it's fun for a season. And anybody that tells you it isn't, isn't, isn't being truthful. Okay? But the payment for sin is great. And what I found out is Satan gives you his best up front. Mm-hmm. It's like that first hit of weed or that first drink. You know, it's great. You know, and then you chase that high for the rest of the time, and you need more and more and more to get to the same point, and you get bound and bound and bound. You don't realize it, but, you know, one drink won't do it anymore. Now you need two or three. You know, I mean, one naked woman is great, but two or three is even better. Right, right. You go down this pit, you go down this pit. It reminds me, uh, about a year ago, I was listening to the radio, and a dude right out of Virginia got arrested for screwing some horses. <laughs> now, that sounds like some crazy stuff, okay? But that's what that's what bondage does to you. Okay, the guy right. didn't wake up one day and go, hmm, I got nothing to do, let me go screw a horse. That's not how it happened. Okay, right. dude, right. Right. you know, was chasing, you know, he liked women, he chasing women probably, and it was good to him. You know, and then one day, you know, after you hit enough, you go, well, you know, I'm kind of tired of that, so he gets another one. It's great. And three or four times later, it's okay. You know, ten times later, it's the same old thing. So no. I, I need I need another woman. And he I gets disagree. that, and one or two times is great, and after three or four, it's not so great. He says, I know what I need. I need two women. And he goes down that path, and one day he says, you know what I need? I need a woman, a horse, and a chicken. And that's what bondage, that's what it does. You see, and, and that, you know, um, you know, I never went down the horse path, but but that's what, he, <laughs> when I heard that, that's exactly what I thought. I don't think that the guy traded women for a horse. I think the guy couldn't get no women. His only option was a horse. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> he might, you know, he might have been seeing oh, no, horse. horse didn't talk back. Horse didn't talk back, and the horse don't know how to make reservations. That's right. <laughs> and, and you know what? A bunch of dudes were screwing sheep. Yeah. Okay? Yeah, I mean... I, yeah. And I'm sure he didn't wake up and, and just say, you know, I'm really liking some sheep. He was probably into the snatch, and then, you know, something happened, and he looked and said, well, you know, the sheep's right there. Wow. Well, that, so that's and, what and you know what? does. And that's, and that's, that's the, one of the oldest tricks in the, uh, in the world um, that men get caught up in, that sexual bondage. But there are, there are a lot of other types of bondages uh, that the world offers that, that it's not so uh, profound as sexual bondage. Uh, I want to ask my man, Ronald, uh, about his particular bondage. Ronald, are you on there? Yeah. Yeah, Ronald, well, um, go, can, you, can, you, can you tell us about uh, the type of bondage you was a part of? The streets, the, streets, the lifestyle. That's what, what my bondage. What do you mean, being in the streets or being a... Selling drugs and partying and doing everything else. That's so my, how that did, how did they have you? Okay. Say so that how again. Did, how, did they have you, how did they have you in bondage? How you'll be addicted to that. You know, the lifestyle, the money, the cars, the women, everything. You're addicted to that. That's bondage. It had you 
trapped. You can't get out. There's only one way out, death or hell. You know what I'm saying? Death and or God, hell? Till God release you, yeah. So did, did you, while you was in that bondage, I mean, you, you sound like you was pretty big as far as the, the money and the drugs and the cars and the women. Uh, did you have a family? Who's breathing hard? Did I have a family? Yeah, if somebody oh, breathing oh, hard, hold oh, on, Ron. Oh, hold on, Ron. If somebody breathing hard, if you're not if you're not speaking, can you please mute your phone so we can kind of uh, cut off all the uh, extra noise so um, everybody can hear? All right, so um, thank you, guys. So, yeah, did you have a family during the time that you was going through um, when you had all these? Um... Of course. Okay, Except so your family was. Okay, go ahead. Was my family part of it? No. Yeah. No. So how no. did you keep your family away from the bondage that you was caught up in? Because it seems like it would be a, a, a current rate of fear if you was in that lifestyle and you had a wife and your kids and, and, and you was afraid that I mean, I would be. I'm just trying to put my, myself in those um, those shoes. At, okay. Um, at, at that time, when you're young, when I, I'm a little wiser, man, at that time when you're young and you see, you know, your lifestyle it is, you have a family, you have your wife, your kids, you don't even look at that type of situation. Yeah, you look at the guys who try to rob you, the police come to get you. You know, you won't always have that fear of that. But other than that, you know, the lifestyle sucked you in so much. Only thing you're looking for is just getting a dollar and keep it, enjoying life. You know what I'm saying? That's the bondage that keeps you so trapped in. You just got one track mind. So, so how much? How much money? I'm trying to see how much because you know a lot of us on the phone we we make pretty good decent money to take care of our, ourselves, but it's not enough to keep us bound. Now I'm trying. I'm wondering how much money, if you don't mind me asking, were you making on a weekly or monthly basis to to be able to call it bondage? Wow. How much? Yeah, was a, at any uh, given significant month, it was a it was a, a nice, pretty chunk of change to be comfortable. But as I see it now, it was not a lot of money because that money go, that's easy money, so we're gonna go. So now I see it's different. You know what I'm saying? Okay, okay. Hey, somebody got a question for you. Go ahead. Um, go ahead. Call. Um, one of the guys wanna wanna ask a question. Go ahead. Talk Leonard. Hello. Yeah, go ahead, Leonard. You got a question for him. Yeah, I, I wanted to know. I, I believe I heard him say um, that uh, his family didn't really um, wasn't really a part of his lifestyle. And I was just thinking that it's really kind of hard. To, I'm not saying I don't believe him. I'm saying it's kind of hard to believe because if 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 you living with somebody on a daily basis that that you know you would seem like there has to be some type of some signs or something you know you know that they would pick up on you know the money's gone you know the time frame and so you know it's it's just kind of ironic you know that your family don't really wouldn't pick up on those kind of signs and living that kind of lifestyle 
No, he didn't. He didn't say oh, his no. family didn't. He he didn't say his family didn't uh, pick up on his lifestyle. He said he was so okay. young. He wasn't. He wasn't thinking about that part of it. Oh, okay. Even though I he he would probably put his family at risk, he wasn't thinking about that part of it. He was thinking about people robbing him more so than somebody hurting his family. Am I right, Ronald? Yeah, that's tr- correct. Okay. Oh, okay. okay, I apologize, Ron. No problem. Yeah, yeah. So go ahead and finish saying what you were saying, Ron. About what the lifestyle and about the change part. Yeah, and I was asking I was asking about the the amount of money that keeps you in bondage. I mean, is it a I mean I, we all seen uh 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 Frank Lucas when he had like millions and he had people working for him, and he had the Colombians over here. Were you that big, or were you, no, you know, no, I don't no, know. No, 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 I can't reach that. I wasn't that level, baby. <laughs> oh, okay. That was a good level. That was a, that was a nice little level, no. Oh, okay. No, so you was at no. a decent level where you were making, uh, you know, one, two hundred thousand a year? Oh, that's, that's what that you mean, one every week, nine out of the year. So you was making a hundred thousand a week? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, you dude, that's that is money. Okay, I'm feeling you now. Because I mean, so you had a lot of people that wanted to take your place. I imagine. Of course, you know that's part of life. In that life, not this life now, but in that life, yeah. So, how did your you was married at the time? Of course, yes. Did did any wow. of your kid? Uh, how many kids did you have? Your mommy asked. Three. So you had three kids and a wife, and you was making a hundred thousand dollars a week. And I can only imagine you had guys that was working for you to make that kind of weight. Part of life. That was part of that life. Yes, you always okay. had people around you. Wow. And you trusted every everybody that was around you, or did no, you feel like you, don't you trust was no one? You don't trust no one. In that bond is you don't trust no one. Well, man. So, so when you were, so when you were bound uh, to those that way of life, uh, what sort of things did you have to do to prove that you were committed to that bond? <laughs> committed? Yeah. To what kind bond? of commitments that you? Yeah, because you was bound. You was, I mean, a hundred thousand a week. I imagine you had to do some things that you probably didn't want to do. Or it wasn't in your spirit to do, or your soul to do, or you had to be kind of heartless to bring that kind of money in to continue that kind of, you know, to continue that kind of movement. No, I wasn't no violent guy, so basically I was just trying to get money though, a nice life. That's all. So you ain't had that's to do all. no dirty work. Oh no, that's no. You don't got when you're on that level, you don't have to do no dirty work. You just got to have to connect. That's all part of life. So did you have to command no. things like? Did you have to tell people to go do some dirty work? No, no, you don't have to do that. That's not part of my, not my facade. I ain't had to do that. You know what I'm saying? Oh. I wouldn't let money, a man, owe you money. I like no. That's that's not part of my facade. That's why I'm still around now because that's not part of my facade. You get okay. money and that's it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Enjoy life. Did you ever choose bondage over your family? Wow. Of course. Think about it. You have to choose that over your family sometimes. You know what I'm saying? Because you know what? I knew which way I was going to go anyway. So if I'm going to separate from my kids, I had to choose bondage over the family. 
Because you know you're going to jail, you know something might happen. You know what I'm saying? Right. Mm-hmm. But but sometimes when you're young and dumb, you don't see it. You know what I'm saying? Right. That's how right. I look at myself. I don't glorify that. That's why I don't ever talk about it because that's the, right now, how I'm spiritual, that's, that's glorified. That wasn't me. I'm, who I am today is what God created. You see what I'm saying? That was a mask I was wearing back then. You see what I mean? Right, right. Did did you ever, now, how did you break the bond? Did you ever get caught or you just woke up one day and say, hey, I got oh, enough no. in the bank, I'm out of this life? Or? You know, the only one way, you know, I had to, I had to pay my tithes, my dues, and, and lay it down. You know what I'm saying? So when you got when I went to jail, I, had to, I got hold of what I was raised on, the Word of God. So when I when you got a hold of the Word of God, he woke me up. The Spirit woke me up saying, look at this. All I did, and look what I end up at. You know what I'm saying? So that's what happened. Oh, so you, get, so you got caught. You got caught, and then they seized all your accounts. They seized all your your access, everything. and then you had to everything. go to jail. Everything, everything, everything. They, 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 they know what they're doing. When the FBI's come, they shut everything down. Oh, you, you was that big that you had the FBI on your back? Uh-huh. Wow. So how many years did you get? Yeah, they don't send they don't send the uh, local police for a hundred thousand a week. Right, no, no, no. no. That, that, that's, that's big time. <laughs> <laughs> that's almost that's almost CIA they right there. <laughs> yeah, they don't send the local sheriff for a hundred thousand a week. Yeah, he already on the payroll. <laughs> wow. So how now? How how long did they give you then? If they caught you with all of that and they had the FBI on you, then, no, that's much. Huh? How long y'all did? I did a nice little yeah. number. A decade for a hundred thousand a week. Mhm. Wow. So you say you did a, a decade. Um, how was your family doing during that decade? That you were gone. How they was doing? I think they was going pretty decent. I said I would assume that the the, the hundred thousand a week probably disappeared. So how did they how did their lifestyle change? How did their lifestyle how did they adjust to the lifestyle changes when you were gone? Oh, they adjust. But they we we, we you know what I'm saying, they had to work everybody was working regardless, you know what I'm saying? So everybody mm-hmm. still lived their life that as normal. Nothing really changed. I just changed. You know what I mean? Gotcha. So, so, so when you went, or were you the head of the snake? Because usually when you cut the head of the snake off, then everything else dissipates. I guess so. I guess how, they, how y'all want to see it? How the TV so, and the no. show. <laughs> so when you so when you went to jail, when you went to jail, did did things just stop? You know, did did were they still was the lifestyle still committed to your your wife oh, or the no, children? Oh no, 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 They would never end the lifestyle. You remember I told you nobody was in it for me. I won't put the family with it. Yeah, but everybody knew your family. You making a hundred thousand a week. Everybody know your three kids, not to mess with, and your wife. You know, to make sure she's taken care of. But I would everybody imagine. don't know that though. Everybody don't know that. You think I was oh. going to let everybody know? Think about what you just said. They don't know what people making. 
No, but you said that they was always around you. You making that kind of money, they was always you, your your boys that you didn't trust was always around you, and I can imagine. Yeah, they but know they family. don't know. So you know, you know, you keep people as a distance. You you know how the game goes. You use them what they were. So anybody around me, you know, he got different positions. Everybody got their own position. You got a player right, right? Like a football, basketball team. You got point guard, center. You know, they pay Kobe more than they pay uh uh. A young point guard, you see what I mean? Right, right, so right, right. Everybody right. don't know what who make what they make. You keep everybody in their position. Everybody got their own position. Play your field and keep it moving. Okay, so mm-hmm. when you went off, when you went off to to prison, then the, everybody else just kind of dissipated, and your wife just kept continued to work her normal job, nine to five, to take oh, care of girls. That's what she okay. had to do. Mm-hmm. What else did you have to give up in order to break the bondage from the world? Because it's like you was you was you was bound to the world pretty hot, pretty tight. The lifestyle you give up the bondage. You know what I mean? What you mean give up? When you go in, when I when, when God grabbed me, I realized that's what where is that? You see what I mean? I was young, uh, young in the twenties and the teens, so that's not where is that? You know what I'm saying? He grabbed me in the right position. I'm glad he grabbed me, so I looked at it like right now. I'm making more than I'm making, not in my mind, in my body and spirit. I'm more happier, more joyful than I am before. You see what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I'm not making $100,000 a week, but I'm way over that a year. You know what I'm saying? And I got right. my business yeah. doing it. You see what I mean? Right. So okay. He, he transformed me into a... a, 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 a a good guy. He can so even though my past was my past, you know, all those guys passed. Yeah. I did all got passed. Right. We did what we did. But now who I am today, you know what I mean? You know, I I'll talk about bondage. It's a good thing because I was trapped in that bond, but I'm out of that bond though. I'm released from it. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. So yeah. if somebody yeah. come and say, You got this? No. I'm doing this. You see what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. So what is it? So, was it so, easy? So, um, go ahead, go ahead, Tony. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to ask a question because now, um, and I'm an old head now, and when I see, I don't, you know, it's kind of hard for me. And I know the drug game still exists, but when I look at it, I'm like, y'all still doing that? You know what I mean? I'm like, y'all ain't find something else to do? So, I mean, what would you tell people now? That may still be trying to have that lifestyle, or they try to, or they stuck in that same bondage. The young and now that's out there trying to get money that way. I tell them now because I see on the streets they feel stuck. I show them they ask me questions, and I show them that it's not worth it. Look what I'm doing now, and, and show them the statements that you know the statements I get telling them for my my business I'm doing now that is. What y'all doing in the street can't even compare what I'm making now. So y'all need to change the field because it's not what we're going to You don't go into jail or you, you know what the game is. You jail go, or get locked up or, or, or die. You know what I'm saying? We lost a lot of brothers in this game. Yeah. Now also, now also, now also, there's another element, right? There's another element that I heard about, and maybe you can help me with this, where, 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 where people – in the game right now may not understand 
and that's that the police will allow certain people to continue to sell drugs and act as snitches on the street, and you would never know the person hustling right next to you is working for the cops. And I heard that that right there is something that's really big right now where people don't know who's who's snitching and who's not. That is humongous big. That's the, that is what you said was correct. We got brothers, everybody on the street, you got people right now walking around with you right now that work and they would never let them. They got passes. We call that get out of jail car free. You know what I'm saying? They got passes. So that's the name of the game now. So I'll be telling them that's the name of the game now. You never went out or back in the days. That wasn't the name of the game. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah you know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's not the name of the game. Man, it's a, it's a phase where everybody doing is okay to walk around and do it and do it and do it. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. So what's the trans- So go ahead. No, I was going to ask about the transition, how how easy it was or hard it was, because I can imagine that when you came out of jail, that the, the same people that you was hanging out with before you went to jail were the same people that was probably picking you up from the the sales that wanted you to kind of get back in that stock, that lifestyle. So, uh, so was that still, you know, was that opportunity still? Uh, a temptation when you came out of prison or you was kind of locked and glued to what your your new salvation was? Basically, you just answer the question. It was no, it was no temptation. They could say, they go 100 keys ago and I tell them, kiss my ass, excuse my French. You know what I'm saying? There's no temptations now. You know what I mean? Freedom is the best thing I ever had. Freedom to walk the streets, do what you want to do, eat what you want to eat, love who you want to love. You see what I'm saying? Go where you want to yeah. go. Because I've been out, I hit every state in America. You know what I'm saying? So that's freedom. You know what I'm saying? Right. You know what I'm saying? You got some people that ain't never left the state of their hometown. You know what I'm saying? I travel over the world now. So that's freedom. I will never get out in the world. So there won't be no temptations. Oh, that's what's up. Uh, so how how did it affect your? I mean, now you 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 still married with the wife and the three kids? No, or? no, 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 no. The kids are grown and the wife is gone. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> that's that's part okay. of the game, baby. <laughs> that's part of the game. <laughs> that's part of the do you, game. Do you think that she was with you because of the game, or did she? Do you think she was with you because you? Was a good provider, or she really loved you, or once the money was gone, oh, we was, was young. We was young, you know. No, I just say she did love me. On a real upper cup, she did love me, but she could. I wouldn't want to. I'll, I'll force her out because I'm fighting this battle. I ain't want you to fight the battle. I want you, and you know she she's successful now. You know what I mean? Because I forced her out. I didn't want her to fight the battle and fight. You just raise the kids and let me do this. And let me try to get my way out. Of it, get out. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. I didn't want to fight that battle. You know what I mean? So basically, I forced her out, and it was a good thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. But she raised the kids good. I can't do it for that. That's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Man. That's awesome, Ronald. Does anybody have any other questions for Ronald? Because I mean, Ronald, uh, it seems like he was uh, 
pushing some 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 big things, and uh, he was the, the 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 drug dealer. But if we don't have any more questions for him, I wanted to go to the other side of the hey, fence. Real, real quick. Yeah, go go ahead. Can you hear me? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Can you, uh-huh. It's not so much a, a question as much as um. Just an observation about that type of bonding. Okay? He was making a whole lot of money, but I know a lot of people who who uh, sell drugs because they just don't have nothing else that they can really do that they feel is worth their time for money. Like, all they got really where they can make something decent based on their level of education or based on their level of social skills when it comes to regular public. It's like they don't they don't have nothing else that they can do and make decent money but sell drugs. But what but 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 I don't uh, Ronald found something else to do. Ronald mm-hmm. found something else to do in my opinion after he learned that he can do other stuff. A lot of young people don't know they can do other stuff. Man, you get behind the wall for ten years, you're gonna have a whole bunch of things in in mind and creative ideas. You're gonna paint mailboxes or something because you don't oh, want yeah. to come back to the place. Yeah, but 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 listen, it could work either way. You could you can make a decision to fly straight when you get out, or you can you can hang with the people that'll tell you, hey, you know, I got connects when you get out and I can put you back on. You know what I'm saying? So it's right. it's a decision that you make. You know what I mean? And these youngins on the street now that sell drugs, that's the decision that they make. Because I, I bet the guy that lives in the next house or the next apartment might be working at McDonald's. He made the decision, well, I'm going to go get me a job. I'm not going to sell drugs like you. So we all have a choice. That when they say that's all they got because of this, that's all that they want. That you got to want for them, I believe. But the problem, I mean, the problem is the social, the social uh, skills in a regular environment. That's where the problem lies, in my opinion. I, I I don't know what you mean by regular environment because people get out of all kind of environments and make something of themselves. The worst of the worst. No, I, I, I think what he's saying, I've been around a lot of different guys, a lot of youngers that came in like I came in as a young age. Yeah. But I see what he's saying. He's saying the people who don't know. Like when I was young, I didn't know but one way. But I did know there's a way, a job, because I had created different jobs for people. You see what I'm saying? So, yeah, yeah these youngers nowadays, see, the TVs, they mess us up. We ain't had that much video of bling, bling, and all that in our days. This bling, bling, and all this lively stuff messing the youngers up. You know what I'm saying? And the young, mm-hmm. huh? They they telling on themselves when they wear all that loud stuff. Right. They they and they they just what they want. You know, you know, I got a son and he see this and you see the youngest one and then they want skinny pants, they doing everything they see on T V. They ain't they ain't their own creation. They don't wanna create their own image, be their own person. You feel what I'm saying? And when I was in I yeah. see the youngest come in, they wanna follow people. We got a lot of followers and leaders. You see what I mean? So he is yeah. right. These kids don't have no direction. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I sure. want to do this. This is the only direction. But you know what? And like I said, they took it out of our neighborhoods, the recreation. You know, when we grew up, we had boys and girls clubs. We don't have that nowhere in, this town, in no towns. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I travel all around yeah. the world. They took it out around the world. 
You see what I'm saying? The yeah. ones they mm-hmm. show on NBA, NBA boys and girls, because that's in good neighborhoods. You see what I mean? Yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? We go to the city of Detroit. You go to the city of Chicago. You know what I'm saying? They don't have none of that. You know what I'm saying? They don't have nothing that we grew up on. Boys and girls club, we're going to play rec. We're going to play basketball. We play football. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. They don't have that no more for the kids to go to. You know what I'm saying? And then the TV is corrupt. You know what I'm saying? Because they see one the person videos. play everybody. Yeah, the videos. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? And so basically. So, 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 Ron, so Ron, let me ask you a question. Now, when I was coming up, they had rec, but that's where the drug dealers came to do some of their deals. And and some of the things. No, no, I'm just telling you what, what I saw. Now, right. now you, you, you make all your deals on the basketball court. You make all your deals on – it ain't on no tennis court you're making no deals on. You're making deals inside. If it's cold outside, you're coming inside the gym to make some deals on the side. You know, you're playing like you you standing on the side getting ready for a pickup game, but you're really doing your thing. And that's the reason why they said they closed the, the recreational area down where I came up from. And I've oh, seen so they, it, but it wasn't. But it still was some guys that was playing basketball, uh, ping pong, uh, all kind of other things that was on the side, lifting weights. But it was some some bad guys there too. But they just didn't want to pay the money to do the security. Okay. So okay, they will make excuse. We understand that. But you know, it's mm-hmm. all from the family. It's all from our family for real. You know what I'm saying? How are we gonna raise the family if you don't want your kids to go out there? But I was raised. I can't blame my family. I just went out there on my own. You know what I'm saying? Because I came up with a good family. Church every Sunday. Yeah. He's chewing and digging as a dude. You know what I mean? But I just strayed. So, you know what I mean? The lifestyle, the bonds, like you say, straight as a way. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's why it was easy for me to come back home because I'm, I'm right. used to that. You know what I'm saying? I had the roots in me. I had the roots in me. That's why it was easy for me to come back. You know what I mean? You had the, so the foundation. Already planted in mm-hmm. you. Your grandmother planted in me. It's planted in all of them. You feel me? Yeah, you know that's, that's good. They planted all of us. We had to go to church. We, we get a whooping. We don't go on Sunday. You know what I mean? Right, right, you know right. I mean? So, so we had to wake up. We went out in the world. I went out in the world. Corrupted. Then I had to wake up. So now I'm back, and now I'm who the man I am today, and I'm proud of myself. Yeah. And sometimes oh, yeah. I'm gonna be honest with you. Sometimes the people who say I'm crazy, I'm glad I went out. I'm glad I laid down for that much because it got my thoughts together. It got me right. all the way together. Just think, if I ain't went in, I would have been still a time bomb, or I wouldn't be talking to y'all today. I'd be 60 under. You see what I mean? Right, right. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Right. So jail yeah. might have saved me. You know what I'm saying? Right. It did. Mm-hmm. I ain't right. going to say might. It did. You feel what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Wow! Wow! Now, now let me ask you this. And that's interesting. Well, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Well, well, what I'm saying is, it's interesting because and I don't know about the background of most of the people on the on the on the call now, but me growing up in New York, I was around drug dealers all my teenage life, and we would look up to these people. I'm not gonna name some names, but you know there was some out there that was worldwide big drug dealers that have the cars, the money, and everything, and you never looked at their life as being in bondage. You always looked at it in envy, like, man, I wish I could get money like him, and I wish I could, you know what I'm saying, travel like him and go sit at the front row with the the boxing match or just have that life. 
You know wow. what I'm saying? And you never look at it like, man, that's, they are really in bondage. You, you know, yeah. that's, I think it's very interesting, man. Very interesting point. And even what's more even powerful than that, that uh, Ronald was able to uh, maintain his family even during a time that he was in bondage. I mean, that's that that that's almost amazing because um, uh, I, I've I've seen or heard of some situations that the kids got hurt or the woman got hurt and paid for the the sins of the dude that was in the uh, in the game, so to speak. So right. I'm glad your daughters made your kids made it out of it, and I'm glad your your ex made out of it. Did you are, did, are you in another relationship now? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. So you plan on getting married again? Of course. Probably the, uh, next week. Oh wow! Congratulations, man. You Congratulations. Wow. Okay. For real. Well, get married well. next week. <laughs> That's funny. No, I'm ready to get married though. Yeah. Oh, okay. Week, but we, we don't know for real. Oh, that's what's up, man. Well, that's that's beautiful, Ronald. Any, anybody got anything else for Ronald? I, I do. I, I just want to say, I, I thank Go you ahead, for sir. transparency. Um, one thing, I can't relate to the drug game, but you can substitute almost anything for, as he's talking, you know, you could substitute the bondage of success and losing your family the bondage of just being the man. It's, it's funny how, you know, he talks about being locked up, and a lot of us are walking around mentally locked up just because <laughs> we're not doing illegal things, still in bondage. Wow. That's true. Mm-hmm. That's the word. Wow. Hey, so, someone else wanted, Someone else got something for you, uh, Ronald. Go Boy, ahead, call him. I wanted to ask uh, Ronald um, how, if, if you could answer it. Did you and your dad have a close relationship, or was there somebody in your life that, while you were going on that path, was you know pulling on you, say, "Hey, Ronald, you're going down the wrong line." You know, sometimes there are people in our lives who know what's going on, and they'll pull on us. But you know, being young, you know, sometimes we're hard-headed, we don't listen. And was there anybody in your life like that? Yeah, my preacher uncle. He okay. Stayed on me, stayed on me, and he was a police officer. Okay. Okay. Wow. Man. How's your relationship with him now? You still talk to him now? I wish I could. He died when I was in. Oh, bye bye. He's our number one uncle. That's mm. tough. That's tough, yeah. 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 I wish I did listen to him, but now, you know. Well, I mean, you know, he, he, he's looking I, at me now. Yeah, he's smiling. Amen, brother. That's cool. I, I, I honestly, yeah, I honestly believe that you know, you had to tell your story, and for you to tell your story, you had to live that story. You had to make that story. You know what I'm saying? And I think that your story is going to help a lot because, again, I'm enlightened by just hearing it tonight. Because, again, I was, yeah. you know, grow, growing up, I was like, yo, man, these guys got it going on. They got businesses. They create jobs, but it's all illegal. But it still is appealing to young people that have no direction. You know, you just blew, you just you just changed the whole perception of it just now. Yes. Yeah, you're right. 
Hey, someone else had a question for you, Ronald. Go ahead, caller. Caller, you had a quick. We got a question for Ronald. I guess I not. Think, I don't think he had a question. No, I think he wanted to speak. Go ahead, brother. Okay. Go ahead. You can say. Yeah, he didn't have a question. He wanted to talk about bondage. Go ahead, brother. You got the floor. Hello. Well, we'll we'll, come, we'll yeah we'll come back to him if you don't want to talk right now. Just 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 let me know when he wants to talk. Um, but but I want to we we just heard one side of um of bondage which was the from the dealer side, but um I want to get to the other side where the user is. Uh, this person could have probably used some of Ronald's drugs that I'm about to bring on next. Uh, Irving, are you on the line, man? Yeah, I'm on the line, brother. How you doing, bro? Yeah, I'm doing good. All right, can everybody mute their phones so we can we can uh, hear Irving? Irving, speaking to your phone, man. I can hardly hear you. Uh, I, I just wanted to know uh, what was what was your bondage, Irving? Uh, I was in bondage to drugs. What kind of drug? Drug of choice? Uh, crack. I, I can hardly hear you, um, okay, I'm Irving. Sorry, man. Hold on, hold on. Now, Ronald, let me ask you one last question, bro. What kind of drugs were you involved in? You were you involved in everything or just weed? It, it, it was crack cocaine. Okay, I can't. I can't. Can you turn off the TV in the background because I can't hear anything? I can't. That's not me. That's not me. Oh, I'm no. I'm talking to whoever have there. Okay, yeah. Thanks for muting your call. Uh Irvin, what kind of um drugs did you did you sell? I mean not Irving, but um uh Ronald. Everything. Okay, so so Irvin just said he his drug of choice was crack cocaine. So go ahead and, and speak on that, um Irvin. You your your bondage was crack cocaine. Irving? Okay, Irvin, you on the line, buddy? Okay, I'll get back to Irving. Uh, Steve, you there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, I'm going to come back yes, to sir. Irving. Um, Irving, right. you still there? Yeah, I'm still here, man. Okay, okay, I'm about to go ahead and proceed to questioning for you. Um, you said, uh, okay, how did you get hooked on crack cocaine? Well, I, I was snorting powder, and uh, it didn't really have me or have a grip on me or anything, but the guy didn't have any powder that day, and uh, he had these rocks on the table. I had no idea what they were, but uh, the guys were in there smoking it, and uh, he offered it to me for free. And, uh, you know, I didn't know at the time, you know, he was just setting me up, but, you know, I tried it, I, I took a hit of it, and I instantly got a rush, and from that day forward, that's all I thought about was hitting that crack and getting getting that rush. Wow! How long were you on that? Well, it's eighteen years. Eighteen years, and uh, you know, I, 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 yeah, eighteen. You know, I smoke weed, and 
you know, I snorted some cocaine and, and snorted cocaine powder and stuff like that. You know, I, I mean, I, I wasn't hooked like that. It didn't have a grip on me. I mean, you know, it was a recreational thing. I, I mean, if I didn't get any powder or smoke any weed, I wouldn't, you know, get all antsy or anything like that. It didn't have a grip on me like that. You know, I would get high and watch the games or snort to feel a little better on the weekend to go party, but the crack was different. Uh, when that, when I hit, when I took a puff of that thing, I mean, it just just took off in me, and I never felt anything like it. Mm. Now, were you married at the time? I wasn't married at the time. Uh, I had three kids. Uh, I was living with their mother, and we were together at the time for about eight years. I was planning on marrying her, you know, but, you know, we wasn't really talking or thinking about it at the time, but we was living like we were. Okay, how was your, your – now, you was in a relationship before you tried crack cocaine with her, right? Right. Okay, how was your relationship with her before you tried the crack when you was on the other recreational drugs? Well, the, it was it was wonderful. I mean, we were both working. We had decent jobs. Um, you know, she was working at the post office and – and I mean, we we paid our bills. We were saving money. Uh, we did things for our children. And I mean, life was just—it was just—it was, it was a good, decent life. I was happy. I was content. And uh, that's how it was before I started smoking crack. Okay. And then after you tried crack for that one time, what happened, or did anything happen to your relationship? Well, yeah, it did because. It came between it and it brought it down because, I mean, every day that's all was on my mind. So, I mean, I loved my kids. I loved her. But, you know, I woke up. I knew I wanted some crack. And it's it's so expensive. Now I wasn't saving. I was still maintaining. I was working still paying the bills. But I wasn't saving anything. And now I was dipping into what I was saving. And I found that I couldn't make enough money after a while to to keep up that kind of habit of smoking every day. You know, a rock is twenty dollars and you know, you get two pieces of rock and you just you smoke it up in less than a second. You put it in really? oh. So Wow. You know and you know, that kind of drug habit was, I, I had no idea, man, that uh, that it would take me where it took me. So when the money started getting low and now I'm I'm juggling and now, you know, I'm robbing Peter to pay Paul just to, you know, make sure to pay the rent and do this, but other things weren't getting paid, you know, about two or three years down the road of smoking it. And I found that, my job was no longer enough to maintain this habit. So, you know, I, I started reverting to doing the illegal thing. You know, to right. what? You say you started doing illegal things. What kind of illegal things you started to do to support your habit? Uh, breaking in houses, stealing, robbing. 
you know, any kind of hustle on the street that'll put some money in my pocket so I can get me a 20 or 50 rock, you know, or an eight ball, you know. Um, I was I started stealing off my job, a job that I love, man. I mean... Well, what, what, what was your job? What was your job? Well, I was working for a company called Sunrise. They were sending Sunrise. me all over the It's called Sunrise uh, Assistant Living. And... I was a cook okay. there, but I was I was training other staffs, and they were sending me all around the country and putting me in hotels, and, man, it, it was a great job. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I started, I found that I could steal off the job. And What what, they, did, what no, did you steal off a job that you was, you was traveling from? What, what kind of stuff you could steal? Well, money. You know, money I'll save oh. that stuff. You know, I, oh, okay. I knew it was in the safe you know, on certain jobs, and, you know, I, I would steal, like, uh, food items, you know, high-end stuff, you know, uh, ribeye steaks and stuff like that. But it was the oh. money, really, in my downfall, and stealing uh, electronic equipment out these places and things like that so I could just sell on the street and get some money to, to, to buy some crack. And... You know, for some reason, you know, that it, it blinds you to the reality of things. I mean, you're not stupid, and you know if you get caught, you're going to lose your job. But when, when you're bonded to, to a drug like that, it just calls you to uh, crazy. Like, I can do this and get away with it. Well, it caught up with me one day when I went to work, and there was a detective in the supervisor's office, and they called me in there, and, they asked me my name, and they asked me to turn around. They put the cuffs on me and said I was under arrest. And that's when it really started. Wait a minute. So back up, back up. You said someone, did they came on your job and arrested you? Yes. Okay, so they, they had you on cameras? Yeah, I'm sorry, what did you say? I'm sorry, sir. No, no, you said, you said they came. They they did they catch you on camera? Yes. Oh okay okay. They put oh, the they, cops on. They already su- had suspected me anyway. But I mean, you can't arrest nobody and charge them if you have no evidence. So it took them a while to set up a way where they can actually catch you. Okay. Mm. All right. Did did, he, did anybody have any questions for Irvin right now? Because I got a couple. I got a lot of them. Now I want to hold. I got a question. I got a question. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. And and you know and I've experienced with drugs as a teenager growing up, right. um, but I never crossed that line with that crack because I knew I saw too many people after one hit their whole life was different. Right. Mm. You know. So what he's saying is 100 percent correct. And again, growing up in the neighborhood where I grew up, I've seen the worst of the worst of it. And, you know, um, so was it something that, like, when you took the first hit, was the rest of that 18 years searching for that first hit again? That's what I hear people about. And I've also heard people say that that first hit, crack is better than sex. (laughs) You know, uh, I've went a few years without even having sex, happy doing the crack. 
Wow. It wasn't that I didn't want it. I mean, I went so far downhill by midway through the 18 years that, uh, you know, I was in and out of jail, and I wasn't looking as good as I was. And at that time, uh, my kid's mother had left me, and, you know, I didn't have a real job. I didn't have much to offer, so I was on the street hustling, and I was just interested in the crack now. But, yeah, mm-hmm. it, it can be, brother. And remember, when I tried it, I'm in my 50s. I, I was on it 18 years. I came in on the front end before you saw the result. I mean, I would yeah. never put a needle in my arm because I see what needles do to you when you shoot dope. I said, no way. But when I took that first hit, and it first started coming in in the 80s, you didn't have any evidence of what crack would do to people. When I tried it, I had no clue, man. Wow. Hmm. Now, were you were you supporting your family at the same time you was trying to support your habit? Yes. Okay, and then all that went downhill after you got arrested. Right. That's when that's when it really started going downhill real fast. Uh, you know, I I I lost my job. It was a great job, a job I loved. Uh, I couldn't pay the bills at home. Now, you know, the, my kid's mother at the time, you know, we was calling each other husband and wife, but we wasn't legally married. But those were our kids. And, right. you know, she started seeing this downfall in me, and, of course, it didn't agree with her. It didn't agree with her at all. And, you know, I would steal her money. Uh, I would neglect the kids. Uh, not pay bills. I, I remember one time at Christmas, she bought Christmas toys for uh, my three sons, and I remember I took them and sold them. And that was the really last straw because she took all the money that she had to buy those toys. And we couldn't mm-hmm. replace the toys for Christmas. So, you know, they that was, that was, that was, a, that was, that was it, I think. For for the relationship. Oh, so you, mm-hmm. you took the toy you took the t- toys for Christmas that you bought for your sons and sold it for money so yep. you can get cracked. Yeah. Because she, she was paying for bills because I didn't have a job and I was, you know, basically on you know, on it. She 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 used the money that she had that she had saved up. And, and and bought, you know, my oldest son a train set, bought another one, uh, I think a, a bike that I had to put together. And 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 my youngest son was still one. So I think she got some toddler stuff for that. But I took mm. it all outside and sold it, man. Mm. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So you so, said uh, that they came Go ahead, go ahead. Anybody else got a question? Because uh, you said you got locked up and they arrested you. Now, how many years did you serve in jail? Well, see, th- this is this is the trip part of it. Uh, I-, I was in and out of jail, arrested on several different charges. Uh, I-, I got like three felonies now. I the first time I got locked up for burglary, they they let me out on probation, right? Now. I skipped probation. I, I didn't. I didn't go back and report to my PO. So when they finally caught up with me, that's about a year and a half later. They they found out, stepped me back, and violated me. I had another charge, and 
I pled guilty to that, and they put me back on probation. Now, they shouldn't have put me on probation. I mean, I skipped the first time. But, you know, they put me on probation again. And I I skipped again. They caught up with me two years later because I got arrested. I remember right there on Florida Avenue. And this time the charge was burglary. So the best my my lawyer could do for me, I remember when he came to the cell, he said, you know, uh, I I think the best we can do is 15 years. Because they they called it a crime crime of moral turpitude. I kept doing it over and over, the same thing. You know, stealing and stuff. So, I mean, they had all the evidence. They had everything. I'm thinking, bro, that, uh, you know, I I never really knew God. I never had a relationship with him. I kind of thought in the back of my mind there is a God, but, you know, I I never got to know him. I never served him. I wasn't sure if he was real or anything, but I tell you what, when I heard the number 15, something in my mind couldn't deal with that kind of number. I've never been to a state prison. I was always, you know, and then they would let me out. I have no idea why they kept letting me out, but they kept letting me out. But I never went to state prison, you know, or the penitentiary. And I remember thinking, 15 years in the penitentiary, and I I knew I had to go back to D.C. jail with these guys, but just thinking about the numbers, man, nobody, my mama couldn't help me. The best my lawyer could do was 15 years. So, I don't know, something broke down in me. I just, right in the cell, I just started praying. Mm. For, For the first time, I just started praying, man. I mean, you know, I ain't know what was going to happen when I got back to jail with these guys because they wasn't going to let me out. Because, you know, mm-hmm. that, that wasn't going to happen. I knew I was pleading guilty. But I, so I did. But, uh, you know, the judge, he he found me guilty and, and gave me 15, but he commuted the sentence to six and a half years. And I was happy. I was just so, I remember being so happy with the six and a half. But, Mm. He did something else, too. He commuted it down to two and a half after he did that. Now, he's way below the guideline on this, way below the guideline. And I'm thinking, okay, you know, I'm, I don't know what was going on, but I wasn't going to question it. So when I went back to D.C. jail, I'm um, doing the two and a half years, and three and a half weeks later, my cell opened, it's like a quarter to three in the morning. I thought they were sending me over to the to the drug part of D.C. jail. But when I got downstairs, there was my release paper. And I'm like, okay, something, something, they don't got the wrong social security number, something ain't right. But I ain't <laughs> saying, I ain't going to say nothing. Mm-hmm. You need to ask a question or something, sir? No, 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 I was laughing. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. you you had okay. you had fifteen, then it went down to six and a half. Now it went down to two and a half years. Now it's down to three weeks. Well, exactly. Three and a half weeks later, after getting a fifteen year sentence, that he dropped down to six and a half, and I forgot the word they called it, but that went down to two and a half. Now this is way. This is so far below the guideline that if I got out and committed a crime. I think this judge would have to answer to some people 
That's how far below the guideline this sentence came out to be. Because I found out what happened later. What happened was he had to send his personal secretary three and a half weeks later to go get my file, bring it, put it on his desk. And then he had to sign me out on to probation because that wasn't the sentence. And I'm thinking, why would he do that? And Hmm. I found out later that this judge had a sister, and she was on crack cocaine, and she had committed suicide. So he was kind of hard on people that were coming before him on drugs. But I, I think because I broke down and I cried and I said, I, I need some help, he, he recognized something. I, I don't know, it caused him to show some kind of unusual mercy. And I believe God touched his heart. I mean, I didn't know that then, bro. I mean, this is seven years later, but I know it now because what he did was so unusual. If I committed any crime, that judge sitting on that bench would have to answer to somebody. Mm-hmm. And I, I I still try to wrap my mind around the fact that uh, I'm walking the street. And uh, I got that judge, and something touched his heart to make him do something that was so unusual. And it had to be God because I believe God heard my prayer in that cell that night. That's what did, I'm you commit any, did you commit any other crimes after after that? No, I didn't. When I, when I got out there the last time, when I had 15, it went to six and a half, and the judge commuted it all of that back down, the time served to two and a half, and I'm like, there's, if I get arrested again, there's no way I'm going to walk the streets before I'm totally great. Totally. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it scared me to death to think that I can go to state prison. You know, I've been going to jails, man. I mean, jails ain't no nice place, but prisons is a different place. You don't mm-hmm. know nobody. Depends on where you're going. You know, and, and that, 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 that put enough fear in my heart. But when I got out and they opened the gates of DCJ, I remember walking up that, that ramp. And I remember kissing the ground. But yet, I still, when I got out, I had no place to go. Because my my kid's mother had, had totally had enough. So I had to go into the shelter. And mm-hmm. that was a humble, humbling and humiliating all at the same time. But I remember trying to get a hit, man. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know why, you know, this guy was supposed to get me something that day that something happened where we couldn't connect. And there was another time when I was trying to get get some more crack. This was like within two weeks of going into the shelter coming out of D.C. jail. You know, I still had those cravings. And mm. it was only by the grace of God that something happened that I didn't try it before I got on this big white bus. Uh, this church called Back to Basics. They had this big white bus they called the White Cloud. And I got on that bus that day because a woman named Sister Tuesday, Tuesday Robinson, she, uh, she she's a member of our church. She 
I grew up in the same neighborhood with her in Sersum Court. Uh, it's well known in D.C. And, you know, she she went to jail for murder because she was her pimp. She used to be a prostitute. Her pimp uh, did something to her, smacked her, and took a drug or something in a hotel room, and she slit his throat and, and watched him bleed out. And she did time, she did, and she, she came out. And with, her she name is Tuesday Robinson. She's a member of my church. No, no, church. no. No, no. You said that uh, that she did something to him. What did she do to him? She 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 slit his throat. Oh, she slit she slit his throat. Oh, okay. Yeah, from wow. from ear to ear. Okay. Yeah. Okay. She, she 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 used to be a prostitute, and it was her pimp. Okay. All right. Yeah. So you met she, her at she's the church. Our outreach minister for for our church. <laughs> God, it's crazy. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, she's always minister. That's how she, she convinced me to get on the bus. I mean, I just came for a sandwich, man. You know, I ain't had no job and you know, I still wanted some crack. About uh, although I was tired of it, you know, I'm 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 in my late thirties, early forties and um, you know, I've been smoking eighteen years and I'm just tired. But I still wanted it. I still wanted it. So, you know, she convinced me to get on the bus, and that that was seven years ago, man. And I got on that bus, and, you know, now I'm a minister in training. I'm preaching in the church. I'm head of men's fellowship. I I was uh, head of intercessory prayer. And, I, I mean, life is just so different. I'm, I'm now engaged uh, to a Christian You're woman. you engaged? Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, her name is uh, Sister Johnny. I call her. I still call her Sister Johnny, bro. <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay. five years. I still call her one, Sister Johnny. Good Lord. Uh, the great thing about the the thing is, you know, uh, I I'm I'm a, I'm a man, and I I still have human feelings, and she's attractive to me, although she's in her sixties and I'm in my late fifties. She's still right, very right. attractive. You know, we I haven't I haven't touched her. Haven't slept with her. Uh mm-hmm. you know, I may kiss her on the cheek and stuff, uh you know, I, I don't know, man, it's just weird. Ten ten, fifteen years ago that I probably would have left her or that, that would bug me so much. So much. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, I still have the yearnings though, but they they're kinda like their yearnings under control, if I can say it that way. Right, you know, right, I, I right. see she's attractive, and yes, I, 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 I want my fiance because I'm attracted to her. But I don't know, bro. It's not like, like it's uh, driving a hole in my thought where I'm just so uncontent about being in a relationship because we're not having sex. It's just right. Like, I don't right. explain that. Yeah, yeah. Can, can I ask you a question, brother? Can I ask you a question, brother, about your fiance? Oh, right. And thank you for sharing. Um, I just want to ask, just tying back to the topic of bondage, um, and thinking about once your fiancé becomes your wife, mm-hmm. do you think that you will introduce um, sexual bondage in your bedroom, specifically ropes, handcuffs, and other restraints? What do you think <laughs> about that kind of bondage? Uh, uh, I know I wouldn't because I mean I, I was never into that in a, even before I became a Christian. 
So, you know, my lust is purely based on the fact that she's an attractive woman and I care about it. And mm-hmm. it has nothing to do with, uh, you know, such a strong, well, mm-hmm. my feelings for her is stronger than my lustful desires, although I have them. And I, I wouldn't introduce things like that because of my understanding now. You know, I mm-hmm. know that things like that is uh is is ungodly. You know, mm-hmm. the, the for woman and things like that. But I mean that's me. You know, right. if anybody else thinks that's okay, that that's them. You know, mm-hmm. but that's me. So I, I wouldn't introduce it in, into my relationship. Was that a trick question? It, no, was, it was that not. a joke question or a, tr- a trick question? No, it was not. I wanted to throw it out to the group because that's what I thought y'all were talking about tonight is, is bondage in the bedroom, bedroom bondage. Um, anybody else got any thoughts on that? You know, has anybody ever engaged no, well, with I want, uh, bedroom I, bondage? I well, I mean, before before I became a, I gave my life to Christ, I mean, I I, I, I really love porno. Por- mm-hmm. I like so I watched it a lot, and it, uh, you know, it shaped my thinking about how I wanted to be in a relationship in the bedroom with a woman. It really did, because when I looked at it and I saw it with my eyes, it made me desire it. Mm-hmm. So once I saw it and desired it, it became, it, it got in me, and I wanted to fulfill my thoughts that I saw and derive pleasure from it. So uh, you know that that was hard to break. I mean, that was really hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, so hard, man, that I, I really couldn't do it myself. You know, something other than me had to help me do that to get my mind free from that kind of bondage of you know wanting to see porno, porno and derive pleasure from it. Because my mind could take me anywhere that my mm-hmm. physical self couldn't. If I, I, I would watch porno and my mind, I could place myself in that porno movie, see, and fulfill all the fantasies that I couldn't in real life. So when I gave my life to Christ, I found that although those things were still in my mind, as as I kept reading, as I kept growing in Christ, as Jesus kept growing in me, I found that I was getting free from those kinds of lustful thinking because I had something else stronger in me, filling me and fulfilling me. Right, right. So, I mean, if I said myself, hey, man, I'm going to stop doing this. See, I'm fooling myself because how how am I going to stop my thinking? So mm. if I if I hadn't given myself to Christ, be, because I exposed myself to the, 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 that kind of lust, if I hadn't given myself to Christ, I wouldn't have had something more powerful than me to help me free me from that. Well, well, let me ask you a question, Irvin. Let me let me back up. Um, I've heard when you when you connected to crack or when you hooked on crack, you go through withdrawals like you've never ever imagined and it sounds like that you were going through withdrawals after you came out of uh, out of jail um did you experience like 
uh, other withdrawals or uh, I mean because it just seemed like you 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 stated as if you just wanted some crack but you mm-hmm. didn't want to deal with it but you was tired of it was that the withdrawal period or was it another period that you really went to like shaking convulsing and all of that other stuff well I, I never suffered convulsing but I okay. suffered such a yearning such a wanting for the drug and the rush and the euphoria of hitting the, the coke, that that was all I was thinking about. Even when I did a legitimate work for somebody, all I could think about was getting off and getting it. If, uh, is, if I'm around friends watching a game, all I could think about, man, I mean, I'm, I'm watching the game. It's fun, but I, I, after the game, I, I want to hit. See? Uh, you know, it, just, it never made me curl up in a corner and ball up. It's not okay. like that. It's more of a yearning. Uh, it's in your mind. You you just want it so much because your body remembers that rush, and it's talking to your brain, telling your brain, mm-hmm. get this, get this, get this. It makes you feel good. It gives you such a – it's a unex- – for people that don't smoke crack, bro, I can tell you the rush is a euphoria that equals sex when you climax. But actually – no, nobody can explain the exact feeling of what it feels like to have that rush when you take that puff. It's hard right. to explain to people, and people that don't smoke don't get it. They All they hear is, okay, it's a rush. It's a rush. It's a little more than that. There's something that happens to your mind. When, right. when, 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 when that stuff hits your brain and them, them synapses start firing, mm-hmm. it, it, that's why... Crack makes you do things that you normally wouldn't do. Now, 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 I'm, this is very important because some of our callers has experienced some things that they wanted to get off of, per se, alcohol um, mm-hmm. and all these other things, all kind of drugs, but um, they have no idea how to get off of it, and right. and, and and they they claim Christ or they claim. Mm-hmm. Uh, other things like counselors, but, you know, uh, and, and then even ex-cons, ex-convicts, felons, ex-felons. You just said you you, you was a felon. You you have a felony on your record. Um, mm-hmm. So when That's, felons I got three out, felonies. You got three felonies, but yet and still you're off of cocaine or crack cocaine. Right. And mm-hmm. are you are you currently employed now? Well, me and oh – man, this is weird. Uh, there's a man named Bishop Kern. He used to have a TV ministry. Um, I, I met him one time. Uh, I knew a guy. We did some work at his at, at, at a daycare center, and he was there. And I just told him I went to back to basics. Bada boom, bada boom. About three three weeks later, I get a call from Bishop Kern, and he says God spoke to him that he told him that me and his son, his son used to sell crack. I used to smoke it. He used to sell it. He used to sell weight, serious weight. And he said the Holy Spirit told him that me and his son should hook up together and start a business. I'm I'm thinking, okay, I mean, he seemed like a nice guy, but I think something wrong with this dude. 
But okay. I was struggling to find work. I was doing my uh, handyman work, renovation stuff on my own. It wasn't getting nowhere. I didn't have a license. And so his son had the ability to get the necessary licenses we need, and I have the ability to know how to do it. So okay. somewhere, somehow, he thought we should get together. That was two two years ago. Man, let me tell you, this is just crazy. <laughs> so now all these big contracts just started coming in. I mean, houses for one hundred and seventy grand, one hundred and eighty thousand. We we got a house in Baltimore. I just looked at yesterday, and the bid on it is one hundred and eighty eighty thousand. It's a chap house. And the who house? We a who just, house? It's a chap house. Chap means what? Uh, it, it, it's a it, it's an organization that recognizes historical things, and when oh, you do renovation, you. when chap gets involved, you you have to you have to treat uh, historical things and, and and restore them and not just destroy them or tear them down, and then you have to put them in a particular place where they can visually inspect them and stuff like that. Okay. Right. Okay. Okay. So you know. I mean, I got three felonies. I really have no work history. Uh, I, I really had no serious trade, and here I am in my 40s, and I just got out of jail. I, I don't have an address. On my, my only address is the shelter. I don't have a phone, and this man calls me out the blue. Now I got a, wow. I got a car. I got a truck. I'm, I'm, I'm not in the shelter. I'm, I mean, wow. Look, we've been training people. We're training people off the streets. We're starting a training program. It's crazy. I, I just can't believe this, man. So, so, so you went from you went from a, a bondage a bondage lifestyle to living in a shelter. I imagine you don't live in a shelter no more. You're making that kind of money renovating right. homes. Right. No, I'm not what? in a shelter anymore. I mean, we okay. we we went to a learning curve now because about uh, our first four or five houses. We didn't make a lot of money or we lost a few bucks because we just got into this. But we said right. we believe that Bishop Perry heard from the Holy Spirit. We believe that. So we right. believe that God was uh, training us, you know. Wow. He was training us because if we could just, just jump in and we'd have had this, I mean, we probably would have put kicked God through the curve immediately. You know, hey, we, mm-hmm. we got mm-hmm. this stuff. So, I mean, I, I believe that. And now... Since we've grown enough and grown together, now things are starting to happen for our company. Awesome. So you mean to tell me, awesome. so when you, since you got out of jail and you tried to go take a hit, try to find a hit somewhere, you got on this bus called the White Cloud, you went to your church, back to basis, and right. things started happening, you, happening in a positive direction for you in, in that manner from that day, and you haven't took another hit of anything. No, sir. No, sir. Wow. No, the craving started going away after about six months. I mean, I haven't, I haven't experienced a craving in seven years. I mean, after about six months and, you know, a lot of people get on the bus, man, our bus and, you know, they don't, they got the same situation and they, they, you know, they come down, some of them even get up and they give their life to Christ, but, if you don't mean it, 
you know, some of them brothers don't mean it. And I've seen a lot of people, man, even get off a of crack, didn't come to church. Not a whole lot of them, because even the ones that do, they still in bondage because they go to triple A meetings and say, oh, my Lord, I, I had to fight hard this morning not to do. And I'm like, well, you still in bondage. I mean, at some wow. point, you got to be free. See, Jesus mm-hmm. sets you free. Triple A mm-hmm. just keeps you from hitting it because right. you're fighting every morning. I mean, at one some point, man, I don't want to get up and have to fight. That. I want to, I want to win it. I want to win at some point, right? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Right. So I, I went to the triple A meetings, and you know, I mean, they're good meetings because some people mm-hmm. don't want want church and don't want God. So I, hey, mm-hmm. go to the triple A because they do help. But mm-hmm. you're not going to be free there because you got to go every morning. Mm-hmm. It's a band-aid. It's a band-aid. And I see, man, I've been clean for 18 years, and but I had to fight this morning, man. I'm like, and I'm hearing this, and I'm like, wow, you still fighting after 18? Uh, this may not be the right meeting I need to be in. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So, you know, I, I don't fight. I, I don't have to fight when I get up in the morning. I, I don't want yes, it. Sir. I'm free. I don't want it. I got something right. else. Right. That's right. That's and, right. And for, you know what? You have you need a catalyst. That brother asked a question back there. I mean, how did I get off? How do you get off? And what do you, there has to be a catalyst. A catalyst mm-hmm. doesn't have to be something drastic or disaster. It can be something positive. But usually, it's something drastic. Like mm-hmm. my kid was jail, and getting hearing that judge say my lawyer say fifteen years. That was a catalyst mm-hmm. for me. Wow. Some people, hey, they can come to church and, you know, something. It's something other than that person that has to get involved with that person to set to set that person on the right path, to set them free. Because mm-hmm. a person in that kind of bondage, man, ain't going to do it themselves. Hey, hey, I, got um, I, I got a question. I got a question for you. There's something you said not too long ago about people can get on that bus and appear to want deliverance, but don't really right. want it. Exactly. Right? So what you're saying is the AAA is a Band-Aid, if it's AAA, whatever it is. The meetings are a Band-Aid because you're still in bondage and you're fighting a daily fight. So the That's only true true. way, the only true way to beat this thing is the Holy Spirit. And that you gotta want the Holy Spirit to go to work for you. You gotta yes, truly want it. Is that what you're saying? You're saying there's no other way that it's gonna happen. Because you told me, you just said six weeks. After six weeks, the cravings were gone. Was I said six, six, six months. Six months. Six months. Six months. Six? Yeah, okay. Six People, months. They were pretty much gone. Done. People on the phone. I, if y'all don't know, months to it. I gave myself totally over to God and the ministry. Now, there are people, that's why I say there's people that come, you know, that sits in the church, but, you know, they they don't get to know God. They're not on their knees and praying and establishing a relationship. See, it's Mm -hmm. in the relationship where they get filled, and that's where most miss it because people, bondages are designed to get you off your purpose, to make to cause you to be stagnant. 
Uh-huh. It's a trick of the devil. All bondage just causes you to be stagnant. Stagnation is not of God, and it separates you from God. Uh-huh. Sin uh-huh. separates you from God and causes stagnation. If there's no growth, there's stagnation. If there's no growth, there's death. There's spiritual death. You're dying inside. And if you're dying inside and there's a spiritual death, you're not full. And if you're not full, you're susceptible to anything natural to fulfill at least some sort of pleasurable sensation because you're not content and full inside. So you're unable to even battle and fight a bondage like that. Hey, Darren, can I... That's why I stayed on it for 18 years. Okay, hold on for it. Hold on for a second, Irvin. Hold on for a second, Irvin. Somebody got a question for you. Yeah. Go go ahead. Is that Tony or was that uh? Well, that, that was me, Darren. I, I can I speak? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, this wasn't a question. This was piggybacking exactly on what what he talked about about uh-huh. being in bondage and and people not understanding that it's not the drugs, it's not the alcohol, it's not the lust, it's not the sex. The real enemy is is Satan trying to keep you in bondage to keep you from your purpose. Because mm, we're all designed with a Jesus-sized hole in our heart. And if we don't fill it with him, we're going to fill it with something else. Something the problem else, is, right. whatever that is, it runs back out, and you need more of it, and more of it, and more of it. And that's how we get bound, and Satan continues to bind us. And the only, one that's free us, the only one that's going to free us from that is Jesus, because he came to set the captives free. The problem mm-hmm. that we have, if we go to like AA meetings and what... What they're trying to do is tell you, well, you know, just walk away, just walk away. But you have nothing to replace that with. If right, you don't right. replace that with, you know, it, it brings you back to to the woman at the well. And Jesus mm-hmm. came to her and said, you know, she, he said, what are you doing? I'm drawing water. He said, well, I have water that, that you're not going to thirst. The water you're drinking, you're going to continue to thirst, and you're going to continue to come back. But yes. the living water will fulfill you, and you don't have to continue to thirst. The guys that are 18 years, you know, going to these meetings and still fighting is because right. they haven't been fulfilled by the living water to set them free. And I'm going to tell mm-hmm. you something that really helped me, and it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a program called Setting the Captives Free. Mm. It's, it's a website. And it's a 60-day course that guides you through getting free through Christ, not just holding down the desire not to do something. If you mm-hmm. hold the desire down not to do something long enough, you're going to get tired of holding it down. And mm-hmm. it's going to pop back up. Yeah. If you don't fulfill that desire with Christ, it's going to pop back up, and you're going to battle it and battle it and battle it. And the Word of God says... It's like a dog going back to his own vomit. That's what we do because we have a sin nature that is controlled. Unless we give it to him, we're not free. Oh, we may stop it, but 18 years later, the guy's going to get up and say, I'm still battling. Right, right. Can I I called in just to make a suggestion? I've been listening for a minute, but I I didn't call in until now. What the gentleman said and what the second gentleman said, I kind of gravitate to another. 
wanted to reiterate a point that I made last time I called in. This is classic. Uh, When he said, when when the gentleman said about growth, and if you're not improving is the word that I use. Mm -hmm. No, what I tried to elaborate last time when someone suggested, well, I don't feel you know what you're doing or what have you. It's all about how people are impacted by your health. If you're an individual, you can be as scholar as you want to be. If nobody is benefiting from your health, and it's the same thing I say when people attack pastors or anybody who's in a helping mode. If you're not helping an individual grow and improve, it doesn't mean anything. It just means something to you. But mm-hmm. it's very hard to help someone change their lives. It's very draining in some instances, to help someone change their life. And it's also humbling to say, I don't have talent enough to help you. I need to refer you to someone else. Mm-hmm. But I think where we do the people in bondage a disjustice is when we say, if it don't happen through me, it can't happen. Or if it don't happen this particular way, it can't happen. You've got to get folks help, and that's why folks are coming, and that's why a lot of these situations don't help people because the people who are manning it many times, they just want the control. They don't necessarily want to see the success of you being helped. So that's what I just called it to say. So, did you, did so you, class, did you just go ahead. Classy, did you just call in two seconds ago, two seconds? Oh yeah, well, yeah. They but weren't talking about that. The whole time. <laughs> yeah, I, they weren't talking about that. They were talking about how God intersected, how God got into play and said, "Okay, well, this is how we're going to get rid of this thing." I That's what I heard. That. No, I understand. Yeah. Hey, that. No, no, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I understand that. I understand that's what they were talking about. Okay. Okay. Why? Why, hey, why, why is it the need to marginalize what I what I just said? No, 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 no. Because because it seemed like you, you just amazing. took it. No, it it seems like you took it in another direction, as if somebody else. It always seems uh, like uh, that to you. <laughs> hey, 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 Clancy, let me. I think. I, what I you think mean? I it always understood. seems like that to me. I hey, Clancy, I think you I always have this need to marginalize what someone else is saying doesn't fit your. You know what? I'm not gonna take the show there. I'm, I'm gonna be. A, hey, 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 Clancy. So I'm good. I, I wanna, I'm good. I'm hey, Clancy, good. I want to ask you a question though. Um, did you just say that Christ is not the only way? Never said that. Oh, I never okay, even came out of my I'm mouth. I'm sorry. I, I thought you were saying that. Um, that pretty Here, much people. You, got, you guys hearing what you want to hear? So you see, respectfully, sometimes, gentlemen, and this is what I learned from you guys. I may say, "Well, so and so just said." Let me back up and wait and see if that if that's what it was. But sometimes, respectfully, you'll reword something. That that is said to fit your own feeling about what was said. Transference. I'm not mm-hmm. I'm not doing that. I said specifically what you think I said was, but but I said specifically was we have to help people get to deliverance, no matter which route that takes. I do understand that they were talking specifically the Lord. I understand that. I'm just okay. talking to help. That's all I was talking about. But I apologize. I'll go back to listening. I apologize, gentlemen. You have a great show. No, no, it's just not like that, man. <laughs> no, it's not like that. It's just that you know, with every everybody's on focus on one thing, and then 
you know, they just trying to clarify what you were saying so we can tie it right. back to the to the discussion. I'm just but, talking about the, the the success and deliverance of the people that's trying to be helped. I understand they were talking about it in, in that genre, and I don't. So let me let me ask you. But I, I yeah, just let me ask about you a question. Seeing people get helped. So that's okay. My let me let me let me ask you a question, Classy. Do you think that is uh, any other way for some people that it's not for others, or do you believe that um, everything can help anybody? No, I don't think everything can help anybody. The unfortunate the the, the unfortunate thing is what's so sad many a times, brothers, is that even people who believe in God have mm-hmm. a hard time in their mind at that mm-hmm. moment, getting delivered through God. And it's it's a very weird experience to see because mm-hmm. I, I even have an uncle that's dying now. And I say to him, remember all those times you, you told me about, you need to be practicing that now. And mm-hmm. it's, it's such a give-up nature. And, you, you know, so it's very hard to explain. So I just wanted to give my personal experience on it. I think sometimes... I like to see people get helped. I, I, right. I know that's hard. I, I know sometimes when we're very spiritual or we're very religious in our practice, we say it has to be this way. And mm-hmm. I want to agree with that. But I've seen people where, where, like when I was successful at it, I would tell people straight up, hey, this is how this is. And they get it. You know what I'm saying? And And now... Go do something that will be with your life. Let's do some steps on practicing that. Whereas if somebody else might preach it to them and they never get it. And they they keep on blaming other people. And So I just feel, in, in, in a nutshell, brother, I would love everybody to only go through Christ. Christ uh, but some people, man, I, I just want to see them delivered. Because there's so many people who are willing to hurt other people because they hurt them. There's so many people who, uh, like we're speaking about bondage, who can't get past a particular roadblock in their life. And, man, I, I, I don't have an answer. Let me just say it that way. Can I comment? Yeah. Can I comment? Yeah, go ahead, yeah. sir. I, I absolutely agree with the gentleman that just spoke. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, mm-hmm. because don't you say, say that. You don't say that, brother. They don't like that. Don't say that. Don't say that. Well, they may not like it, but the brother just spoke the truth because mm-hmm. God is love. Now, because you don't come into a church and seek Jesus, you know, people can be healed by love, just by mm-hmm. love. Wherever love is, the Bible says that love conquers all. So there are other avenues other than the church. If there's love right. there for another human being, that can actually help that person in their walk to free them because love okay. enters the heart. So I, I agree mm-hmm. with that, brother. I do. Mm-hmm. And I think okay. that God hears the cries of people. So when a person is crying, look, I, I, I didn't know Jesus when I was sitting in that cell. I had I ain't want nothing to do with no Jesus, brother. But I mm-hmm. cried, man. I cried. And God touched somebody's heart. And then mm-hmm. the brothers that come in the church, and I said, you know, they don't totally give themselves over. Look, it's all about a personal thing. 
And nobody can judge that. And I believe that, right. brother, when he said there are people who mm-hmm. do believe, but yet they're still in bondage. Is this Irving? Right. I'm not going to go into a sermon on that. I could, but I'm not. I'm just going to just tell you that the brother speaks the truth. Well, hold okay, on. That's is this Irving. Irving? That, is this Irving? Yeah, this is Irving. This is Irving. Okay, so Irving, Irving, so when you said, when you said, when you sitting in that cell, you didn't know Jesus? No, I didn't know him. So let me ask I, you I a didn't, question. I didn't have a relationship. I, I, I had no relationship I with Jesus. I got okay. you. I got you. And see, and this is the issue that I have with most people that say they, that, 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 that are indifferent when it comes to Christ. And I'm just going to say that, and it's not you, but you also mentioned that once you heard 12 years, you got on your knees and prayed to this Jesus. Am I right or wrong? Exactly. I got on my knees and I prayed. Okay, so we can't forget that. I got on my knees and I prayed. So that may have been the beginning of all the occurrences that happened to you that are strange to everybody listening, how you went from from, um, 15 years to three weeks. It was the beginning. Exactly. But no, so remember what when I first started this conversation off, I said, you know, this this is my testimony. This yes. is my testimony. The Bible says, the Bible says I'm there's a about, Listen, I'm not talking about the Bible. Right. Let's, let's not get it twisted. I'm talking about well, we're, the we're testimony talking about that you getting on our knees and praying to Jesus, yes. which was the catalyst for everything that happened to me, right? And the brother that just called said, there are other avenues. And but I you said, didn't say I anything about them. those other avenues. You told us about your avenue, and your exactly. avenue was through that one prayer when you heard the word 15 years. That's right. That's just my point. That's just my point. I won't take right. it nowhere else. I'm just talking about from what I heard from you was right. that there was a divine intervention that day, that moment, that second, that it made was, you. Now you are here it. talking to us about how you were delivered. That's your story. That's how right? I was delivered. That's right. Okay, and that's all we know is our own personal story. <laughs> that's it, brother. <laughs> I, I got yeah. so much, and I cried to a Jesus that I didn't want and didn't know, and he heard my cry, man, and he answered my prayer. Sure. I mean, sure. Sure. Why, why did Jesus answer mine? I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, what do you I, mean I, you I don't know. know. I don't know if there's <laughs> any other brothers that, that got down in, in, in a cell and, 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 and asked Jesus for forgiveness and asked him to get them out of their situation, and they probably would have turned their life over to Jesus and joined the church and gave their life to God and worked in his kingdom or not. I don't know. I just know. You answer the question. That, but you are. Right. Listen, listen. You answer the question. You know, the word says you got to speak it with your mouth, but you got to believe it. You got to believe it with your heart. And you believe right, it right. with your heart. And that's what right. happened. Some people speak it with their mouth because they ass in trouble. Yeah, you know, I, I ain't know Jesus all this time, but I find I got this cancer. Let me go ahead and start praying now. <laughs> yeah. you know, but mm-hmm. it, it, it don't mean nothing. Yours actually did, and he had a plan for you. That's what I believe. He did. Mm-hmm. He did. Now, it, man, that's that. That this is this is some awesome conversation because uh, we're we're getting at some some points that we never touched before, and and and. I hear people all the time that says, you know, uh, I know somebody on crack that it's impossible to get them off of. I know some people that got felon, felony charges that they can't just 
come around and get a job because no, they're not giving anybody a chance when they come out of jail with felony records. And all mm-hmm. you guys are just you and my, my brother Ronald and the next guy that's coming on. You guys are proving all of these theories completely whack. They're out of the park. They don't exist because of one way. Now, any other ways that might might exist, but we ain't nobody else mentioned those other ways that it helped them thus far. Okay, the only way that y'all you guys are saying, I mean, I'm not putting these words in your mouth. You guys are saying these things out of your own mouth and what happened in your experience. So the only thing that got a felon a great job and another felon with ten years uh incarceration after making hundred thousand dollars a week, he's still right. making a great living. Right. It's only one way so far. Now, I wanna ask the next guest, did he experience the same thing? Um if well, first of all I wanna make sure that nobody has if anybody else has it, does anybody else have anything to, else to say to Mr. Irving? Because I want to move on to the next guest. I got one more person I wanted to talk to. Anybody else got anything for Mr. Irving? Thanks, Irving, man. You got some great words and great wisdom. Yeah, thank you, brother. I want to ask, you, I want to ask you one more. I want to ask you one more thing, Irving. What is oh, the man. name of your business and and the name of your church? Because it seems like your church help a lot of people that's coming off the street life of prostitution, drugs, out of a shelter. Um, I, I want to know if if anybody do, do anybody if anybody wanted to donate to your to their cause because that stuff right. is not free. I just wanted right. to know: can you give us a website or can you give us a, a name or something like that we can we can donate to, if possible? Okay. Well, my church is called Back to Basics. Our pastor is Pastor Milt Matthews. Our ministry is a homeless ministry. We go around okay. to four or five shelters. We're ninety five percent homeless. And we go around to four or five shelters, and we pick up the homeless. Now, you can imagine our church looks a little different. Uh, The people Mm -hmm. we picked up have mental issues and things like that, and some of them, their hygiene isn't, you know know where I'm going with it. Right, right, right. So our ministry is, uh, well, you need to be called. Let me just say that. So because we're 95% homeless, man, uh, we find ourselves, you know, struggling sometimes because the homeless okay. don't have jobs, most of them, the majority of them, and they don't tithe. But the bills still have to be paid. They they still have to get picked up. They still, we have to we feed them when they get here, and, you know, we mm-hmm. get them clothes and things like that. That's how ministry, that's what God asked us to do. So if you can contact Back to Basics, uh, 301-772-7777. Seven seven, back to basics church, and you know anything you can you can donate some clothes you can donate to help us get a van, you know we we mm-hmm. our, our bus broke down and our van broke down and because we have so little tide we have to keep the church open and keep feeding the homeless and keep ministering to them where we're a little short on buying vans so we're having this drive we have a play called crying from the street it's about people who are in bondage on drugs. Uh, in jail on alcohol murderers like Sister Tuesday and and pimps and and they change their life and they give their life to Christ and they're there serving the Lord. It's a true life story. The actors play their lives in the play. We have it every third Friday at the church. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Good word. Um, 
I was I was I wanted to um and and I, when I met you I seen that you built this beautiful podium that you wasn't satisfied with and that's what drew my attention to you. I was like this this brother done built this podium made of wood and yeah. and the pastor is like got her mouth open and she's like wow and you're like I'm not satisfied with this. And I'm looking thinking to myself how was that? Because I'm looking with my own eyes, and I see what she sees. But in your eyes or from your viewpoint, it could look a lot better, I guess. I don't know how you could have made it better than that. But anyway, you told me about another brother that was a pimp in your church that blew right. his own head off, but God saved him, and he has a he has a testimony as well, but he's not completely freed from his lifestyle of bondage yet. Well, so I'll wait to earlier. Last. Say again? Last. Great I lust, lust. Oh, his, his, his. Yeah, his, his was lust. So once he become free from that, I will be talk calling, coming back to talk to him <laughs> as well. Uh, but right now, I want to get to my next guest. His name is Steve. Uh, I met him through Irving. Steve, how you doing, man? How you doing, Darren? How you doing, brother? Great, great, man. Um, yeah, we you you hearing this conversation about bondage? Uh, I wanted to talk to you uh, also about um, how what was your bondage and and how did it contribute to your childhood or where did it come from? So you can go ahead and explain your bondage. Okay, well, Darren, I had a good childhood, man. Uh, you know, I'm a southern guy from North Carolina. I, I moved up here and uh, I was doing good, man, doing great. I had a great job. Uh, I was a metro bus operator. You know, making big time money, man. Until I, until uh, I ran into the wrong crowd, brother. And when I was inter- introduced to crack cocaine, man, everything I had just kind of like went downhill. So yeah, you was so. you was you was hooked like my man uh, Irving on crack cocaine. Yeah, that was my drug of choice, crack cocaine. Did you have a family at the time? Uh, yeah, I had a family. Um. The whole nine yards, man, I was doing really, really good, really well for myself. You know, as a matter of fact, I was I was kind of proud of myself, man. But, um, you know, everything went downhill when I started, started to smoke crack cocaine. Wait a minute. Your, now, you came, up here, you came up here with your cousin who was at one time, he was a musician or he had some records out. What? Yeah, what, yeah, yeah, matter of fact. Well, my cousin, his name is Milt Matthews. Uh, of course, he used to be a pastor out of church, but uh, he was a nightclub singer, you know. And I just kind of want to hang out with him because, you know, because of the girls, because of women, man, you know. And I figured maybe, you know, he couldn't get them all, <laughs> so he was he was he was introducing me to women and all that kind of stuff. So it was a good lifestyle. <laughs> okay, so the, you yeah you had your wife, you had a wife, and you had kids. Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, and and yeah. and and when did you try crack cocaine? Was it in one of the clubs or one of the women? Actually, it was some of the guys that I, I was hanging out with, you know. And then after I experienced the crack cocaine and. Um, and saw that the power that it carried. See, I I was kind of like my brother. He was speaking to, you know, uh, Irvin was telling you about um, 
the pimp and the play and the kids. His biggest thing was the lust. But, uh, you know, of course, that was kind of my thing, too, because with that crack cocaine, man, you didn't have to you didn't have to ask for anything as far as sex-wise. You know, you know, you got as long as you got crack, you got the women. <laughs> so yeah. I began, began messing with, with, with crack on that behalf, you know, when it just got, just got the best of me. Did it ever, um, did it ever enter your life as far as your wife? Did you ever introduce it to your wife? No, I never did, man. I, I, I never did do that. I always was, would go outside of the house with it. You know, I didn't want her to know that I would was doing crack. But, you know, I was working, and when I got paid, I would give her my money. And when I thought she was asleep, I would go back and steal it from her. You know, that kind of stuff, man. It it, it was wild uh, there, and it had me, it had me going, man. It had me going. Wait a minute. So, Wait. So you, you, would, you would give her the money. And you would yeah. steal it back. What 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 would you tell her when she said, "Hey, where's the money at?" Hey, man, I would like, <laughs> I would like, I don't know, I don't know. I gave it to you. You know, I would so, just lie, man. I would, you know, that's that's where I was with it, and she knew better than that. But I I had to lie, so I, I had to lie. I had to do what I had to do to get it. You know, telling anything, man. I, it didn't matter what I say. I just, I just wanted that hit. You know. So you would give her the rent money, steal it back, and then you would help her look for it. Exactly, exactly. And anybody else, I would do anybody else like that. You know, I mean, it's 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 a different life. It's it's a different life, man. It's it's dark out there. It's cold. It ain't nothing out there in that crack world but evenness, you know. And it ain't but two things that you 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 wind up doing: either you will get killed or you go to jail. Yeah, I mean, you can just pick a choice, you know. So, yeah. It was just that, you know. It was just that world, man. As a matter of fact, it would. I never thought I was a bad guy or anything like that, but in order. For me to survive that world, I had to change. My character had to change. I became somebody that I really wasn't in order to stay out there to do that. I, I would steal. I would do. I do what it takes to, uh, to, uh, to 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 live in that world. Yeah. So you said you mentioned you mentioned there was evils out there. What kind of evils are in that lifestyle that we? Because a lot of these guys on the phone, including myself, um, uh, c- compared to you, we live op- we live opulent lifestyles. We we live. Uh, w- our troubles are man, big booty Judy over there, man, I, that's sending to me. Or we we can't pay a, a a bill and we go all chaotic. But you guys, and that that's our lifestyle. Your your lifestyle is totally different. Uh, when you're yeah. when you're chasing something that you can't catch, um, so what kind of evils did you experience? You know that you can share with us if you can, if you will. Well, uh, I I experienced death, man. I've seen guys rob, steal, seen a girl get a neck cut, you know, because of that crack cocaine, man. And you know it's it's rough out there, man. You know you you do whatever it takes for you. To survive, 
you know, I've, I've seen I've seen fights, you know, cuts, shootings, you know, and uh, I've seen this guy, man. We was at his house, and it was like it was a crack house, and he had a pacemaker in his heart there, and then he turned from. You know, he turned on the side. He was at the table, and he was going to get him a big hit. <laughs> but the crack hit him. I mean, he fell dead, man. And as soon as he hit the floor, man, you had women in there that was going through his pocket before he could even stop breathing. You know, it was it's cold out like there, brother. Yeah, 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 wow. yeah. And I'll tell you something, man. I mean, it's it's like... It's like I was a diabetic, and when I was in that lifestyle, man, I didn't, I, I wasn't taking my insulin, you know, and no no type of medicine. I was just getting high, and and um, I, I lost my left leg, man. I had my, my leg amputated because I wasn't taking medication. The only thing that I was taking was crack cocaine, and I could afford it because I was working, you know. I was I was working, and and I could buy my own, you know. And um, you know, it's but it's it's cold. It's cold out there. Well, you said your okay. So so your wife knew you had you was a diabetic. Did she um, make yeah. sure she didn't make sure that you took your medicine or? Well, actually, man, I wasn't even home that much. You know, I, she didn't see me like that. You know, she didn't. Wasn't nothing. Wasn't nothing like that, man. She didn't. I, I wasn't there for her to. To how many kids do you see. have? I have five, man. I have five kids. With your wife? You know. Uh, yeah. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. So you guys had you guys had five kids, and you was driving the buses, and you was hanging with your cousin at the clubs, right? Yeah. Yeah, and then yeah. and what? Well, go ahead. Well, well, actually, at that time, man, when I first started out like that, my cousin had changed his life then. But I, it was me. I, I mean, I was still out there. So, so and that is your cousin. You said your. You said your your wife didn't know you was on. You was addicted, and your of course your children didn't know because you weren't there. But did your cousin know since you was hanging with him? Uh, well, at that time, at that time, he went, I wasn't doing it when I was hanging out there with him. You know, this was kind of like after, you know, it was, it was afterwards. And then my kids, my kids knew. I mean, they knew, my wife knew, but they never could see me. They never could catch me doing this. You know, and I, but they did know I was smoking because my kids had this intervention with me. You know, uh, my 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 baby man, and she she told me, she said, "Daddy said, we know what you're doing. You know, we just don't want you to get killed or get hurt out there in the streets." You know, so it was it was one of those things so like can, that, so man. You can feel- so, so you was allowed to still come back home, back and forth, and be a family man when you were there, and then you know do what you want to do when you left. Well, pretty much, but you know, I didn't at that time. I was on it. I I didn't stay home like that. 
you know, but if I had a came home, my family loved me to the point that they wanted me there, you know, but I was, you know, I was from crack house to crack house, you know, I mean, I would stop by, maybe give them a couple of dollars or so, and I was gone again, you know, but, um, I mean, you know, it had me to the point, Darren, that it was like I missed my own mother's funeral, you know, mm. because during doing her service, man, I was I was in the crack house smoking crack, but I made it to the grave site, you know, when everybody was there and everybody heard that Steve was on drugs, but they never could see me. They never could because. I would come home and I would clean myself up, and when they saw me, I was looking okay. But mm-hmm. that particular day, man, everybody, everybody saw me because I was dirty, needed shave, you know, the whole nine yards, and everybody knew that. Yeah, that's that's what he was doing. So I was kind of like a, 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 a exposed to to the world, man. What they always so thought was. Mm-hmm. No, I was I was saying you said you was at the crack house doing a funeral, but you made it at the end of the service. So you ran straight from the crack house straight to your mom's funeral. Straight to the gravesite. Straight for right. what I did, man. I rented my car out. You understand? And the guy he didn't come back in time for me to get home to change clothes and a shower. So I, I wanted to see her before they put her in the ground, so they had to open the casket at the gravesite. They don't normally do that, but they you did rented that your... just for me. Okay, yeah, I rented my car out, man. Car. I rented my car out to a guy, man, for some crack, and he didn't oh. bring it back in time for me to get to the service, but, you know, he brought it back in time for me to get to the gravesite, so that's where I went. You you rented your car for crack just to get a hit before yeah. you went to the service. Right, right. Oh. Yeah, that's okay. what I did. Yeah. So yeah. so when did when did you lose your your wife? Was your wife and kids there? Uh yeah. Well yeah they yeah, they were there. They was there. And you, and you guys were still a family at this point. You and your wife and your five kids. Yeah, man, but everybody was mad with me. You know, everybody, you know, everybody knew what had happened. Everybody was, all the family, you know, they was upset. But, I mean, you know, I already had done it. So, what, you know, that was it. I I couldn't, I couldn't go back and change anything. I wanted to see my mother before they put her in the ground. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, at least I owe that much to her. Because right. you know she loved me, you know she loved me. So, I mean, I felt I felt like dirt after was, <laughs> but you know I just thank the Lord, man, that um, He kept me safe as far as He uh, as far as not dying out there, you know, in that right. in that world, <laughs> you know. So, right, right. Yeah. Now, you, now yeah. When, at what point? What point did you lose your? Did you ever lose your family, or you guys are still together? Actually, actually, I didn't lose them, but I wasn't with them because when I was really on it, man, I just, uh, I, you know, I told them they could do better without me. You know, so I just moved from crack house to crack house. 
You know, I built, I, I think I might have done better if I went straight to the shelter. You know, but I, I wasn't helping myself with the move. But the drug had me changed around, so you know, I just did what I had to had to do to to continue to do what I you know to use it. So now, now, are you still you still married to your wife? No, my wife passed away. Uh, she passed away in two thousand two. Okay, so you yes. all the way up until her death, you guys were still married. Yeah, yeah. Did, did you lose? Did yeah. you lose your your leg? You said you lost your leg due, due to diabetes. Yeah, and doing drugs. Yeah. Okay, was she lost still alive during that point? Uh, no, she had passed away then. Okay, so she, she passed, passed away. away. Yep. Your children, your children are of age at that point, or are they still young? Yeah, my children all are grown. Uh, they was grown then, you know. Um, that was a blessing because they could take care of themselves. You know, I didn't okay. have to take care of them, so I didn't have no responsibilities. I, I just got high. Yeah. How, how's your relationship so, with them now? Ah, uh, great. Great, you know. After I just got tired of being tired, man. You know, when I changed my life, and they see me in another lifestyle, man, another light. You know, they they are I, they are proud of me now. You know, and okay. I, I owe all that to God, man. That's you know, that's a blessing. That's so how? Blessing. So what was your turn? Well, what was your turnaround point? I mean, um, did, was your turnaround point after your after your mom died, or your uh, leg no, was not low? really. That's when I turned myself around. Really, you know, I turned myself around there because it was like uh, when I was in the hospital. I, I mean, and and the nurse come in, I mean, I was in there for a minute, you know, they was trying to do what they could do to save the leg and they 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 saw that it couldn't be saved and it seems like like it was me and God in the room together mm-hmm. and he was talking to me because actually when they told me that the, the doctor came in and said that my leg had to be amputated. I wasn't afraid, man. I mean, because I was ready to get it done. You know, I was let, let, let's let's do it because uh, I, I I felt that I had something else to give back because that the devil had t- taken everything away from me, man. I didn't know which way I was going, but uh, I was cool with it. You know, I just I just wanted to get rid of it. Let me let me go on and do what I supposed to do with the church. I said I want to do some more. I ain't got but one more left, and I sure don't want to get. I don't want to lose that. Right. But, uh, that's, right. That's, that's, yeah. That that was my 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 turn turning point. Oh, somebody got a question. Go ahead. Somebody got a question for Steve. Okay. Hey, Andrew. Good Andrew. stuff, isn't it? Hello. All right. I'm Andrew. I'm back. I can hey, I can really hear you. Andrew, no, no, no. Okay. He, he's okay. No, he he's okay. He was talking to someone else. Does anybody have a question for Steve? Oh, I see. Um, go ahead. Anybody got a question for Steve? 
I know I'm kind of hogging the conversation because I just wanted to kind of get to his life and and see, um, you know, because this this is very interesting to me. Uh, we we got three guys on the phone that, and I'm trying to, and I'm not trying to find another way because I know through my own experiences, there's no other way out of these bondage situations. But I but other people think that it's other ways out. Um, but we have yet to found that. I, I've never, not unless I'm, I'm wrong. Uh, Classy said there is other ways, and and uh, I think Irvin mentioned that if you love people, then that's a way out too. But the Bible also say that God is love, so you still ain't getting around it. So, does anybody have any questions for Steve before I move forward? I have a question. Go ahead, sir. Can you speak up too? Yes, uh, I wanted to know. I wanted to know, Steve, uh, because when I got to the church, this is Irvin. When I got to the church, I joined the group Bondage to Freedom. We're called From Bondage to Freedom. And uh, Steve was already in the group for a number of years. And I wanted to know, Steve, I, I, I don't know how I don't know this, but how, how did you get in the group, man? Well, actually, Irvin, you know, at the time, man, before you got in, I was driving the bus. And uh, it was just on my heart that there's something else, there's something else that I need to be doing. You know, I, I want to do something else besides just drive the bus, man. So uh, God laid it on my heart, man, to just start a group, you know, just to have a couple of guys maybe we could sing or whatever the case may be. But that's how the group really got started because there's a couple of other guys that I was talking to, man, and uh and now since the group has started, you know, and we are, we, I think we're doing some great things, man. That's how the group got started because God just laid it on my heart, brother. Okay. Yeah. So when you, mm-hmm. now, now one thing, when you said let's back up before the group, you never, you said you was in, the, you was in the, on the table and it was about to take your leg, and you, it was just you and God. Now when you got up off that table. How did you go from being, you know, I guess you got one of those um, those peg legs or you got a false leg or what is it called? Prosthesis. Okay, you got a pro- prosthetic leg. Okay, so yeah. when, when you got up, did you have any withdrawals or did you have anything that, that kind of tied you to your past that you kind of wanted to continue to do crack? Yeah, what I got... Yeah, when I got out of the hospital, it wasn't really gone. I mean, I still got, had those cravings, but I uh, I surround myself with people, man, people that's good people. You know, uh, I got out of those dark places. I, I try to keep myself involved with things of the church, you know, anything that that's dealing with God or whatever the case may be. Uh, I'm trying to. I tried to do that, uh, but you know the the feeling, the cravings just didn't go away just like that now. But just like I say, I just kind of keep myself surrounded by the things of God. You know, that that's okay. a big help. And now the you know now I don't I I, I don't get no cravings now. You know, I just so. Uh, as long as I, you know, as long as I do do what I'm supposed to do, I don't. I think I'll be okay, man. So, so how long? And I tell clean? you another. Ah, uh, well, I've been clean. Uh, well, I've been clean for a few years now. Uh, eight, nine, 
Oh, that's more than and I'm years, not bit, Yeah, so uh, my my goal is now just to kind of help people that's that's going through, have been go, going through the things that I've been through. Mm-hmm. You know, God just laid that on my heart to do that, and uh, and that and and that's what uh, that's what my goal is, man. Just to help people. Now, now Irving went to. Irving went to jail. Did you ever serve any jail time behind your addiction? You know, actually, actually, I didn't really serve no jail time. I've been to jail though, <laughs> but okay. I didn't do no, I didn't do no jail time like that. I, you know, they locked me up. I was in the crack house, man, and uh, the uh, police came in and kicked the door in and locked up everybody that was in there. You know, it was a hotel. Down on Sheriff Road, but hey, you know it wasn't nothing, wasn't nothing hard. So that How was long a blessing was that? right there. How mm, long ago was that? I guess, oh man, that's been <laughs> that's been about that's been about I guess nine years ago, nine ten years ago, something like that. But I tell you oh. one thing, man, it ain't nothing. It's nothing. It's 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 nothing positive going to ever come out of using drugs. Nothing for nobody. It ain't nothing out there, man, but uh, jail time and death. That's the only okay. thing. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. when you, so do you see any of those guys now? I, I, I know your ministry goes to the different homeless shelters. Um, do you see any of your um, past friends that were um, that were in those crack houses with you? Well, every once in a while, I might see one of them. I don't see, I'm not really, you know, I don't see really that many of the guys that I used to hang with no more. You know, I I don't really see them because if I do see them, I would try to try to get them in church, man. You know, the devil just got got the brothers first because God made us the head. So that crack thing is to take us out. You know, so no, I don't see I don't see too many guys no more, man. Uh, now, did, did, have you have any of your children adapted to your ways of like you know uh, needing drugs or substance to to rely on to live? You know what I noticed, my kids ever did that, man, and I'm so thankful to God that they don't do it, never have done it. You know, I'm sure they're doing their own little thing. Now, you know, I'm not trying to paint that picture of the perfect child, but um, they never did drugs. Never doing did drugs. And that's a blessing. Do, Break my heart. Do they, do they blame you for anything that, you know, you wasn't there, you stole from us, or, you know, you were the cause of us not having a father around? Do they blame you for anything? You know what? I, I, I no, they 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 don't do that. They, you know, and and that's another blessing too because they could very well have done that, man. They all doing good for themselves, and they all love me, and I thank God for them loving me. But uh, at that time, man, it was it was rough on them. You know, just 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 doing that drug, man. It you know it it put a, a lot of dampers on. Anything that you try to do, you know, you don't, you never will have success in your life, man. As long as that crack cocaine is in your life, um, you never, you never accomplish anything. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, when the last time yeah. you spoke to one of your children? 
spoke to them. As a matter of fact, today. <laughs> okay. I saw my baby okay. today, and it was, it was it was cool, man. We see each other all the time. We have a very good relationship now. And I can, I just, I, I can owe that to God because, man, all the guys that I was out there with, the family didn't do that for them. I mean, they don't have a home. They don't have families unless some of them change. I'm, you know, I don't see them like that anymore. But, uh, you know, my family loved me, but I just, you know, I just made it hard on them. So, mm-hmm. Right. Now, do you, yeah. do you, are you still inside the shelter or you, do you have another home or do, what do you do right now? No, right now I'm in church. I have a nice home. As a matter of fact, man, I'm living with my daughter. I'm getting ready to move okay. uh, next month, hopefully, and uh, everything is going well with me now. That's awesome. And I man. can just, I can just thank God for that because, you, you know, all this stuff that I've been involved in, you know, it, it was crazy out there. It's a whole different world. It's darkness everywhere. You have to do what you have to do to survive. It makes you somebody else, man. You know, it makes you. And if you try to be the same person, you will get dogged out. That's why you had to change, you, you know, your, your character. You just become a mean dude. That's all I got to see, a, a real mean person. So I didn't like my have did you do you ever get the feeling of doing drugs? Does, does that feeling sneak up on you ever again after you know? Um, we talked to uh, Irvin, and he said it took him six months for that feeling to even dissipate all the way out of his system that he don't even think about it no more. How long did it take you? Well, it took me about a year. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it it, it took about a year, six months to a year. You know, he was right. Now that feeling just don't disappear like that now. You got to work hard, but you got to want it. You 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 got to want it. I was listening to the other guy. That, well, I think I don't know whether those drug rehabs. Maybe it does work for people. As a matter mm-hmm. of fact, I went to a drug rehab myself, man, and one of those two week things. And the man said, "Well, it's not, but two percent going to make it anyway." Well, I was so pumped up, man. I knew I was going to be in that two percent. Well, I think I stayed clean about 30 days, you know, and uh, I tell you, for me personally, I'm not saying those drug programs don't work for you, but it didn't work for me. It it, it just didn't work for me. I had the the church had to do me. You know, I I, I just got tired, man. I just couldn't. I didn't want to live like that no more. You know, I mean, sleeping on the floor and all that kind of stuff. I just... Just got there. It wasn't. It's not the way God made me to be. I didn't want to live right. like that, you know. <laughs> wow. So, uh, wow. yeah, I just thank him for that. Yeah. Man. Yes. Does anybody have any yeah. questions for Steve? Anybody have any more? Questions? Yeah, I have something. I have something yes, to say. There are actually several phases of bondage. You know, okay. the first phase. Is, the first phase is ignorance. You know, right. ignorance that you're that you're in bondage. Um, the second phase is acknowledgement. Right. Acknowledgement that yes, that you sir. have a problem. Um, what I refer to, also known as a demon. And right. Finally, finally, um, the demons that are identified 
don't leave automatically on their own. They must be driven out. So that's right. How do, how how does one drive out demons? Now, you know, I, I think it's through prayer and fasting. And Andrew mentioned earlier about how Satan can bind us. You know, once we pray, once we have the power. You know, once we pray, we have the power and authority to bind those demons up. And you That's do have right. to actually, you do have to actually call your demon by its name. So I appreciate That's you, right. brothers, calling your demons by their name. So if your demon is crack cocaine, if it's alcoholism, if it's pornography, if it's lust for women, you know, you just got to call right. it by its name. Now. That's right. Earlier, now earlier I asked the question to the brother about, you know, once he gets married, will he engage in sexual bondage with his wife? And right. one of the one of the specific examples I used was handcuffs. Now watch this. Uh-huh. Watch this. Watch this. Basically, to bind is to spiritually handcuff your demons. That's right. Now, I ain't going to get too deep on y'all with this stuff tonight, and some of y'all won't get this until tomorrow, but it starts with prayer. It starts with prayer. Back to you, Mr. Hoax. That's all I got to say. That's right. That's right. But you know what? The brother was right on time. He he was right. He was was right. See, myself, like I said before, I can only speak for me. Um, I just got tired. I, I got tired, and like you said, you got to handcuff that thing, man. I heard the thing he said; it was true. You know, everything mm-hmm. he said, man. And, and for me, the church worked for me. And like I said, I don't. I'm not saying that these drug programs don't work because they may work for some people. But I know that I know what I needed, you know, and I just surround myself by, like I said, prayer. You know, surround myself with the things of God, man, and get out of those dark places and leave right. those dark people and dark dark things alone. You know, so that's well, how I am. Well, uh, Ronnie just brought up a good point, and and it want, it brings me back to um, what Irving stated earlier. You guys' church is ninety five percent homeless. And some of those people in that church are, you see mental illness, you see the right. smells, you, you, all of those right. things. If you if alcoholism is on them, you can smell that demon as well. Um, right, that's right. And, and I just want to, I mean, do, do people that come to your church, are they more afflicted by the other demons that surrounding them to go back into that same lifestyle? Or are they more apt to change like you and Irvin has changed? Well, since uh, some of the, the the brothers that come there, that I think honestly they have a, a mental problem from the beginning. So maybe they don't see, you know. And then God work in mysterious ways. The only thing that we have to do is just keep praying, you know, mm-hmm. and keep teaching them the Word of God. And we don't, you know, we don't know how what what's God what what he's, he is doing, you know. He we can just see them, and we may think to ourselves that you know what, this brother ain't getting nothing, because uh, when we have church, a lot of the brothers be sleep. We kind of wake them up, man, and we don't we don't we don't we we don't see God working in them, but you you don't know what God is doing, 
Right. You know, right, we just right. want them. We just want them to get that word on the inside of them. something might touch them. We don't know that, you know. But yeah, uh, yeah, yes, yeah, you know. Because Irving, it's, you remember, Irving just said, Irving said he came there just to get a sandwich. He said he went there to exactly. get. He was hungry, man. You know, so exactly. a lot of those guys they come in there for one thing and they get fed something else. And and that's, that's, that's what that's I'm saying. Awesome. <laughs> That's, that's, awesome that, that's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Because actually, hey, when hey, Irving... Hey, buddy, you still on the call? Yeah, yeah, I'm staying. Man, why don't you... Yes, go ahead. Uh, someone wants to say something, call... I'm sorry, go ahead. If if any caller want to uh, wanna say something, you can go ahead. The floor is yours. What's that? Yeah, uh, what what the brother was asking Steve, what you was asking Steve about demons uh, in, in, in our ministry... When we do right. ministry, we really have to stay girded up, man, because, you know, a lot of them brothers, they bring they, there's demons all around them. And uh, they mm-hmm. carry them with them. And, and Steve mentioned that, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's ignorance. There's a lot of ignorance. And, you know, you know a, lot, a lot of people are destroyed because they're ignorant. Yeah. My people are destroyed. Okay. Like of knowledge and yeah, you know, demons right. come to these brothers and they carry them in and and when they hear the word, you know, by by the time they leave and get on the bus and they're halfway to the shelter, it's getting choked out of them. It's getting choked wow. out. Yeah. World yeah. choked it out of them. And uh, you know, we're trying to establish a place where the brothers can stay in the word long enough where it won't get yeah. choked out where to set in. Right, right. Well, hey, tr- check this out, Urban. I got one, one more guy. He wanted to share his bondage story. Um, okay. Caller, did did you have? You can go ahead and, and share your bondage, sir. Go ahead. Okay. All right. I have the young guys on mute, but this is Bruce. Hey, Bruce. And, uh, how you doing, bro? I'm good. I'm good. And anybody that was on the call two weeks ago. Know that I'm in bondage right now, <clears throat> trying to get out of it. Okay, go ahead and, and I share had, it with us, Bruce. Yeah, I had no plans on that coming out on the call. Um, okay. My bondage is with alcohol. Okay. Uh, about eight years ago, I used to drink beer all the time, but I really never got drunk off of it. But about eight years ago, I was introduced to scotch. <clears throat> The rum, the vodka, the tequila, none of that stuff I ever cared mm-hmm. about. Mm-hmm. Then I found something I like, and it's taking total control. Even when people okay. warned me this was going to happen, I still mm-hmm. let it happen. I lost my job because I wasn't calling in sick or I was late and I wouldn't call anybody. <clears throat> and I had been to 13 years. Mm. I just turned into a monster when I drank scotch. Or mm-hmm. Doors White Doors White Label was my <clears throat> drug of choice. Mm-hmm. Now it's taking my wife from me. Yeah, go ahead. No, no, I was gonna ask you, that was my question, how did it affect your family? Um, I turned into a different person. I was mean to my wife, I was mean to the kids and finally she had enough and she moved out August the first. This past August the first. Mhm. Yep. 
Now, and you, we that's still, the one you was married to for 18 years, right? Yeah, with her for 20 years, married for 18 and a half. Okay. I mean, we're still married. <clears throat> but I think the last straw was probably Sunday. <clears throat> instead what of me going to Sunday? church, yeah, instead of me going to church, I stayed home and drank myself silly. My daughter found me in the basement, and she thought I was dead. She said he won't respond, and his eyes are black. So my wife called Andrew. Him and Glenn came over, and Rob, and found me in the basement half-naked, passed out. I could have been dead. Actually, I should have been dead by now. I've been in the hospital about five or six times. From falling, getting out of the shower, hitting my head on the tile floor, and my wife had to call the ambulance. I fell into a glass table, broke the table. I'm laying in glass twice. And still that wasn't enough to stop me from drinking. Wife left, that wasn't enough. Lost a $90,000 a year job, that wasn't enough. So why do you think that you say you, you should have been dead? Why do you think God spared you? I don't know. I think he spared me for something, because I should have been dead when I fell into that glass table. Well, I should have been dead when I fell out the shower and my wife left all the blood on the floor so I could see it after I got home from the hospital. Well, I should have been dead one of the times I was drinking and driving. Wow. So what are you doing now? Uh, I got to get back into the Word of God. Because that's the only thing going to save me, because I can't save myself. And I'll tell I, you something, too. When you get into the Word or whatever, you know, you go to church or whatever, just don't go. Just don't go and sit, but get involved. You know, get involved in something in the church. You know, keep yeah. yourself busy, you know. And now you're not going to change till you really get tired, till you really get tired and want to change. First to begin, then you change. But like the like the gentleman said before, prayer changes things. You know, get yep. into it. It's gonna kill yeah. me. Yeah. Because well, somebody asked me. Obvious. Yeah, somebody asked me yesterday. What was it today? Andrew asked me, "How's your liver?" Wow. And I forgot that. Wow. Um, my doctor told me last year she wanted me to have an ultrasound on my liver. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Bruce. Especially, hey, Bruce. Yep. Mm-hmm. Hold on. Hold on. Let me ask you a question. Now, um, you don't, uh, out, of the, out of the heart to mouth speech, you know that, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, we don't want you to die. But you just spoke something in absolute. You said that it's going to kill you, right? Yeah, after it takes so, everything from me. <clears throat> okay, so so you're sounding. I don't want you to sound like 
And if Classy is listening, I w- wish you would call back. But it, it doesn't, you don't need to speak that, you know, right? Yep, so yep. you want to, but you said two weeks ago that you want to get your phone, your, you said you wanted to get your family back, right? Right. Okay, so if you want to get your family back, you can't get them back while you're dead, right? Absolutely not. Okay, and you sound completely sober, and I'm so happy that you you are sober, you are aware of what's going on. You it's twelve o'clock midnight, and you're you're aware, and you're not intoxicated. So right. we're having this conversation with you being completely sober. So yeah, completely. No, it's not going it, it's not going to kill you. Uh, I think you met with Tony and Andrew, and you know it was taking some steps to make everything better for you because we're on this call to help everyone, everyone right. that we can, and we're not going to be on this phone call to hear you say that it's going to kill me and we're just going to let that go and kill you. I don't want it to kill me. If I don't stop, it's going to. That's what I really meant. But Okay, so did you hear, and Andrew made a good point today, you know, you you can you can fill that hole with something else, but it can't be you can't take alcohol out of a spot and refill it with more alcohol. Right. Yep. He said that you can only fill that with living water. Right. So what steps have you taken since the last time we spoke to this time now? That was two weeks ago, I think, two or three weeks ago. What steps have you taken? Because you said you wanted to stop. And it sounds like you stopped. It sounds like you're, you're you're not drinking, and it sounds like you're totally uh, connected to this conversation. So, what steps have you have you taken to um, come off your scotch? Um. Well, I have started a setting captives free course, but I kind of fell off of that because some days are just better than others. Like for the last two days, I didn't even get out of bed. Because my wife you didn't asked get me out of bed. If, no Sunday she asked me if I wanted to die. I think three times they said told me, and I think I said yeah, and she said she's done. Because I said I wanted to die. Hmm. But you, but did you say that while you was intoxicated, or did you say that? No, well, I was intoxicated, and Andrew asked me, because he wanted to see how serious I was, I guess. He said, how would you do it if you were going to do it? And I told him I'd drink a whole bottle of scotch and take the rest of this bottle of prescription painkillers. So why do you mm. want to take... Now, you don't feel like that right now, right? No, because I'm sober. Okay, how many days has it been since you've been off of alcohol? Just two. They came Just over two? Sunday because my daughter found me on the floor, and she said my eyes were black. I guess black like you see a demon in a movie. Mm-hmm. And she thought I was dead or about to die. So I'm not sure where she went to find my wife. But somehow she found her. I don't know where she found her at. And Glenn, Andrew, and my wife came over here to see if I was dead. And I was oh, in the basement. No, she moved out August the 1st. Oh, but she still checks on you from time to time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
We weren't calling it quits. She just wanted me to get better because she wants her husband back and the kids want their father back. And what do you want? I want that too. I want to get rid of this demon for me. I'm not ready to die yet. Okay. That's powerful, bro. Yeah, like I said, I don't even know why I'm still here. Evidently, God has something planned. That's why you're still here. Yep. That's right. That's right. That's right. Mm. I have something planned for me. Now, is your church, I know Andrew, you kind of cling on to him a lot. I mean, that's not a bad thing. But is, do, you, do your church have a ministry that that helps you to keep you connected? Like my brother Irvin said, he said to get involved with something that's going to keep you rooted to the system of the uh, of the church, or do or in any institution, do you have um, anything that grounded or keep alcohol away from? You? If I participate, since I lost my job, I need to participate. We have the men's ministry. Okay. And we also have a photography ministry that I'm supposed to be a part of. Okay. So special events where we have to take photographs or they want photographs taken. That's supposed to be helping out with that. But I was working at night, so it was a lot of stuff was hard for me to do. But right now I'm in the process of looking for another job. So I'm okay for now, but that money's not going to last forever. I know this. And that's going to be another excuse for me to start drinking again. Mm. And I can't, I can't let that happen. That's right. Well, well, how I'm much? Of wow. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. So I'm, I'm out of chances. How much? How much uh, is that that you're depending on self-effort uh, that you're stopping to drink? Um, Anything? How, how much self-effort are you trying to do? Because it seems like you're trying to do it with just only self-effort. That's what I have been trying to do. Just telling myself, all right, I'm not going to drink anymore after today. This is it. This is it. And then tomorrow comes and I do the same thing. Okay. So I can't so do that, it. That, that, that's your problem. Uh, uh, you can't do nah. it with self-effort. I, you can't do it with self-effort. Nope. I admit to it. I can't do it. Well, you we you have us here to help you, you know. Um, yeah. And the the good thing about this is that we don't charge no money for this. Right. It's free. Yep. It's free. We here. You sitting in the comfort of your wherever you are. And An empty house. Yeah, but we're here. So you know, you talked about he talked about getting plugged in. I mean, you've been pretty regular here on this program, and here's a form of help. You know, yep. so don't don't dismiss it. Don't take it for granted, you know, that we're here, you know, because next week I wrote a topic just for you. Next okay. week's topic is, is when a marriage collapses. So it's like, what do you do when a marriage collapses? And just, you know, again... Just plug on in. We here because, just like he said, you're sober tonight. A couple of weeks ago, you weren't. So that's step one right there. 
couple of days that's ago. It. Yeah, a couple of days ago, excuse me. But you're sober right now, so that's improvement. And most importantly, you've called your demon out, which is alcoholism, which is scotch. You right. gave him a name, scotch. So now the next step is you have to bind scotch and escort him out your home forever. Mm. Yep. And I think we have Bible study tomorrow, right? Is this Rodney? Yes, this is. This Rodney, yeah. Yep, we do. Is that what, 7 o'clock? 7.30. 7.30, okay. Yeah. I won't be there because I'm halfway in the, almost in the Midwest right now. <laughs> All right, yeah. as long I as I'm not going to need to make it, so. Yeah. Go ahead, I brother. got a question for you, for you, for you, Bruce. What made you uh, call in tonight? Actually, I forgot because I forgot. Last, I was supposed to call in last week, but I'm used to working Tuesday nights, so I tend to forget. Even though sometimes sure. I would call in from work, but sure. Andrew called and reminded me because I had totally forgot because I was trying to get internet access and I can't. But. So but the but, plan was always to call in, but I just forget sometimes. Sure. Now, and if I had my cell phone, of, I don't know where it's at. I would have got a text message to remind me, but I can't find it. Now, you heard a couple, because you've been off a little while now. You heard a couple of testimonies, right? Yeah, I got on about 9.45. Oh, good, 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 good. And, and, and the testimonies, I think speak volumes to one thing and one thing only that helped with with the addictions that have been spoken about tonight. And somebody said something that is key. They said you gotta want it. Yep. You gotta and it's gotta be something that, you know, it can't be a you know, well, I'm going to wake up today and I'm not going to drink today. Right. It ain't you know that what I'm easy. Saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. Yeah. It's not going to be, well, I'm going to try to do it two days, three days, four days, five days, or whatever the case may be. It's got to be something where God will step in and take the taste out of your mouth for that white label. Is that what right. it is? Uh, yep, Doors white label. You see what I'm saying? So... When the brother said he had a crack addiction, and in six months, I've never heard anybody get off crack in six months ever. Right. And I don't I probably right. won't hear it again. You see Another what I mean? thing, this is how evil Go the ahead. devil is. Eight years I've been drinking the White Label. I never saw a White Label commercial until about two weeks ago. Wow. Now it's on TV. <clears throat> yeah. I said, "Oh, he's playing dirty now." <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, he's dirty. Yeah. But you know he is. Wow. And I think that, That's his I think job. that Yeah, I think that you know that he's there. You know that he's dirty. You know that he's winning. Because right now you're trying to get your family back and right now you're trying I mean it's a battle. And right now you're trying to do some things that are gonna make him upset. But you remember what we talked about before, who's not gonna lose. And so what you gotta understand, I believe is that if you heard anything tonight, heard of the sto- the victory stories that these brothers were talking about. I and I want that I want that for you, man. I want, you know, to be the same. I want that for all of us. 
I don't want people mm-hmm. to walk around in the blind talking about, well, yeah, I can go here, I can do that. No, there's one way. There's one way. That's right. It's just one way. There's no multiple ways. There's one way. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. if you accept that one way and stick and, 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 and zero in on that one way and just devote everything to that, I believe that you will, the taste will be gone. Mm-hmm. You won't even crave for it anymore. You'd be like, "Ah, that's nasty. I, I can't believe I drank that stuff, man." Mm-hmm. It is nasty. I cut it with ginger ale. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I just can't wait for the day when you get on this call and you've been delivered. Yes. That's all I want. When you've been delivered, when you get on this call and be like, "Guess what, y'all? Y'all ain't gonna believe it." I'm gonna believe That's it because right. I'm, I'm I'm speaking into existence right now. The day when you, you get on this call and you have been delivered, that's the day that I'm waiting for. Me too, man. Yep. Me too. That's it, man. Man, that's this is this has been awesome, Bruce. I, this is not the last we're gonna hear from you, and everything from here here on out, um, you're gonna speak. Great things about yourself, your family, and getting off of—I mean, with a, with a great person like Andrew helping you out, and great men on this call speaking to you, and then the testimonies, like like Tony said, you know, crack is the worst. That I mean, you can't you can't get no worse than that. White label ain't got a chance with crack, <laughs> but right. them brothers, God defeated crack in those brothers' life. And all you have to do is allow him and let him into you, right, into yeah. your heart, to reject what you hate. But that's yeah. that's going to be your choice. That's going to be your, your choice. And we're not a brother. We're not brothers that's going to give you self pity to say, "Oh, Bruce, that, we're not going to rub your head," because we're going to continue to pray for you and, and and speak the blood over you and whatever we have to do and send Andrew over there, Tony over there. I'm coming, Ronnie. Anybody, all of us to come. If it takes that, but you got to continue to stay plugged in. You have to go to that that ministry or that film crew ministry and that men's ministry and stay plugged in and connected. You got to continue to pray with your family. You got to do whatever you got to do to get that thing off of you. Because it ain't going nowhere. Nowhere if you just gonna sit around the house and look at four corners of your wall. Yeah, because he gonna come at me with everything now. The devil, I mean. <laughs> Yeah, so you get outside the house, go walking in the park with your wife, go fishing, man. You know, there's plenty of fishing places around here that you can fish for free. Don't have nothing on the worm. Just go out there and just be a part of nature. Just look around and take take a nature walk with your wife. Yeah, and I used to fish four or five days a week. Mm. I have a boat that, that I haven't back. taken out in five years. Just sitting well, there. you want it back. Yeah, you do. You got to get that back. You know what? You know what? Also, go get your gym membership, man. They got one for $10 a month, man. Yeah, plan it. Just start working out, man. Yeah, plan. Just go and just start. You know what I mean? No, I have a membership. Me and my son go every now and then, but not often enough. Yeah. Hey, and also, also, also they have the fitness ministry at the church every Monday and Friday for one hour. Oh, do they? Yep, my wife goes every Monday and Friday for one hour, and it's free. So you have you have no excuse, Bruce. 
You got all kind of activities going to the church. You have all kind of things around you that you you already a member of a gym gymnasium. <laughs> You're already a member. You have a wife yeah. and children that love you, and they have freely accept you back. All you got to do is reject one thing to accept all of that back, and your job is waiting on you too. Yep, I don't think Andrew's been upstairs or Rob has been upstairs, but my wife has these yellow sticky notes everywhere telling me what to do. That's awesome. So you got your support team. You got your support team. So it, it, it's it's up to you. It's really up to you. And if you don't get off this phone after hearing those testimonies from those two brothers that was addicted to crack, if you don't get off this phone knowing that you can defeat alcohol, I mean, crack is like Mike Tyson to Glass Joe. Mm. Mm. So what you're dealing and, with, you can't beat, you can beat Glass Joe. Yep. And and Bruce, let me tell you something, man. You know, we've been doing this show for a while, and this is a, a, a different twist for us when we bring people on to tell their story. But you got to know, man, it's got nothing that we, we don't tell anybody what to say. This is not a production. There's not a person that sits back and says, well, let me write this drama out so it'll sound good for the callers. Right. People yeah. come on and tell their stories. I don't even know the stories till they tell them. So it's not staged. You see what I'm saying? So when the guy tells you something that sounds un- unbelievable, like what I heard today, you know what I'm saying, I got to take it to heart. And for you that's dealing with it, it gives you the energy to say, well, guess what? I can whip it. If somebody else whip that, I can whip mine. You see yeah, what I'm saying? I've seen what cracking do. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and the and, and and most of the people I know that were smoking crack still smoking crack. And I've seen what alcohol yeah. can do. And and I wanna I wanna give if I wanna give classy classy, are you on? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm listening. Classy, you gave him some great words of wisdom the last time he called in, and he might have not heard you because he was intoxicated, but tonight he's sober. So can you uh, give yes, him, please tell him you got, yes, please go through that with him again while he's sober, because there were some great words of wisdom, so you got the floor, Classy. Uh, I didn't know exactly what was said uh, last time. I was in the moment on that, so I will suggest this to you, brother. Um, You have the capability to make today way different than the last few years. Uh, I know addictions are hard uh, because we run to them when we have an issue. We run to them because we're familiar with it. But the trick is really to break that familiarity. Yeah. Uh, what's what's really said on this show a lot, which I do applaud, is the angle of seeking higher power. Uh, you really got to accept the fact that you're loved. You're in a way better situation than a lot of people. So I don't want you to leave the phone feeling down. I want you to leave the phone feeling that you're more empowered than you realize and that all you have to do is turn it on. It's not an easy path. I won't lie to you. 
But it's one of those things where all you got to do is turn it on. And Man, I know it's not going to be easy, but it's going to be worth it. It's going to be way worth it because, again, there are people in your situation way worse. And you have love around you. You have a starting point. You have something that if you went to a group session, a lot of them might even be jealous of how much support. you got to capitalize off of that today because the, the past time hasn't been going right. It hasn't been going to the as productive as it could be. So I've been there. I dealt with it with anger as a young kid. So I know how deep it can go. I know how easy it is to run to something because you lost a job or run to it because you had an argument with a family member. I know how easy it is. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm just suggesting to you, brother, take the time today to take the steps to get where you need. Now, I don't know what area you're in. I'm quite sure the brothers will help you with that. But even in your area, there's some low, there's something called a sliding scale fee, okay? You can go find some people who are not at your pastor, not your church. You can go find something, a sliding scale fee, county in your area, and I'm quite sure the brothers will, you know, help you with what county you're in and Brother, just go talk to somebody on a regular basis. That's all that, That's all it really takes. That's the biggest hurdle is to have somebody on your phone that you can go pay $40, $20, $60. When you feel stressed out, hey, hey, I need to come talk to you. You can change it. I change yep. it. Remember people change it. But I don't want you to go feeling defeated, and I don't want you to go – just saying, I'm going to have to. you got to really do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because when I say I'm down and out, that's just an excuse to run to that liquor store. That's all it is. It's a trigger. Mm-hmm. It's just a trigger. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, you know I, I'm going to share this with you. It's not, it's not where you at. It's a different version. But anger was my addiction. I was a, a 3.8 honor student ever since kindergarten. And I've always been in honor roll classes. But I had these parents around me that was basically country folk. And they didn't know how to encourage that. And it was frustrating for me. And I realized that a lot of me trying to move ahead was them in the stumbling block. And... It's sad, but some people, they do certain things to trigger certain things. And that's how your situation can. Your, something happened in your life to make that first taste go on and on and on. So in my situation, I started shooting guns at 14, 15. I was well-respected in my neighborhood come 16. I was selling drugs, but I felt uneasy on what drugs was doing to, to the community, so I started selling weed. Next thing you know, I'm the most popular weed man in my area, me and my right. friends. And see, hey, Mr. Weed Man, Mr. Weed Man, Mr. Weed Man, sorry to cut you off, man, but our time is expired. <laughs> you good, man. Thanks for calling back in. Thank you all, brothers, for sharing. God bless you all. Your story will touch somebody around the world. Um, we appreciate you all. We'll be back next week. 
when a marriage collapses. Y'all have a blessed evening. Holla, y'all. Amen. Praise